This is episode 8 of the Gamer Sushi Show. This week, Mitch talks about PAX Prime, we discuss downloadable games, and ask the ultimate question, what are your escapes? Hi, welcome to the Gamer Sushi Show. Thanks for listening. I'm Eddie. I'm Anthony. I'm Jeff. I'm Mitch. And I'm Nick. And uh, we've been away from the podcasting stuff for a while, uh, taking an unintentional break, but mainly because we were trying to get the website ready and uh, for Gamer Sushi 2.0, which Jeff and Nick got up this week, and it looks awesome. Um, they did a really good job, and we really like it. Um, but now that the new side's so we want to get back on the wagon, uh, especially since Mitch was just at PAX last week. Um, and I guess, Mitch, do you want to talk about that for a little bit? Yes. Uh, yeah, I can share my experience with PAX. Um, I live about four hours away, and this is the first time I've had the opportunity to go. Um, I've wanted to go for a couple of years now, and i got to say, like, it is like way, like 100 times more awesome than I thought it would be. Because number one, I had so much swag from the first day. I honestly was not expecting it. Like, I had to go back to the hotel and drop off all the free stuff I got. Oh, really? Seriously? Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I got like, that much swag when I went. Oh, there was tons of swag. Like there was posters and T-shirts. Damn, and, like, I went on a bad year or something. <laughs> I got like I a get, resistance well, hat that I gave to Anthony, and that was kind of it. Well, like that was you awesome. Said, I wear it all the time. You said like get ready for swag when we were talking in Gmail chat, and I was like, okay, I'm probably gonna get like a lanyard and a book, and like. <laughs> No, they're just like, here, have some t-shirts and have some posters, and here's a headphone for winning the Medal of Honor tournament. I'm like, oh, what the shit? So that was pretty awesome. Um, besides that, it was a really good opportunity to check out a lot of games. And uh, as I mentioned in my roundup, the first thing I did was I went and checked out Halo Reach. Because even though it was coming out like a week later, I I still wanted to get some hands-on time with it. So I was able to go, I was able to get there first thing Friday morning, only for about 40 minutes in line, and uh, try out the multiplayer. Which is, uh, it's pretty good. Let me just tell you that. Mitch, yeah. can you explain what Halo Reach is for, viewer, for listeners who may not know? <laughs> <laughs> well, if you haven't read our site for the past year, then... Uh, <laughs> or the internet. <laughs> or the internet for the past year. Um, I'm pretty sure everyone knows what Halo Reach is at this point. but uh, You're probably think, right, I'm sorry. Yeah. But no, I got to try out the Elites, and uh, one of the things that came up constantly during the beta, at least between us, was that the Elites needed to have uh, armor lock and all the stuff that the Spartans had. So in the final build, they do have that. That's good. So yeah, that was pretty awesome. Yeah, and I just used armor lock all the time. I did not yell out lock block, unfortunately. <laughs> oh, man, that's, that was the place to get it started. It's true. I know, like the bunch of community the manager was standing right behind like me. Yeah, I, know. I should have done it. So did you did oh, yeah. you get to talk to many of the Bungie guys? Was that cool? Um, yeah, the Brian Gerard, their community manager, was in line there, and uh, I chatted with him for a couple seconds. But the people in line behind us, like they're like, "Oh, can we get our picture taken with you, Mister Bungie guy?" <laughs> so I, I basically just I basically just uh, just exchanged a couple words with him, and that was about the extent of it. Yeah, when I was at PAX um, a couple years back, they they were getting ready to release one of the map packs. I guess it was the. Um, which was the one that had the um, the Covenant map? Um, was it the Mystic map pack? Yes, I think it was the Mystic map or the Mythic. Or Mythic. 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 They were getting ready to release Mythic, I believe, and and so they sorry had, internet. Yeah, so they had the they had those maps there and stuff, and I you know 
it was funny because like I have my like because me and Daniel were there. We were handing out smooth few film stuff, and like we have our list of like developers that were like kind of cool and developers that were kind of jerks. Bungie was kind of somewhere in between. <laughs> <laughs> you guys yeah. kept the shit list. <laughs> yes, yes, we did. The Resistance guys were the were the nicest guys we met. Um, that I'm glad to hear that because I hear good things about Insomnia. Insomniac. Yeah, and they do they do other stuff too, don't they? Don't they do Ratchet and Clank or something? Yeah. 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 They were they were they were super nice. Like they were like really interested in like you know, they were like, Man, we we hope somebody does for like resistance like what you know Rooster Teeth did for Red versus Blue. Like they were like, We hope someone does that. Like it was it was pretty cool. Um wow. but yeah, they were they were very cool about it. And the other nicest guys I met were Major Nelson and uh, Adam Sessler. But yeah. Nice. And so yeah, the Bungie guys seemed a little beleaguered when I chatted with them, but the day had just started. I don't know what their problem was. <laughs> they were already like stressed out, like get away from. They them. were already stressed. They were already stressed <laughs> out. Well, the, the, that line filled up the quickest. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, it did. I also tried Firefight. That was pretty awesome. They had it on Heroic. I went down with uh, a friend of mine, who's a, a gamer sushi uh, user, and um, he tried that out, and we played it on Heroic. And he's never played a Halo in his life. <laughs> So he just he just got absolutely stomped by the AI, and I'm running around. I'm having a great time. I'm armor locking and beating down Covenant, and he's just like, "What do what do I do?" <laughs> shoot things. Just like stand in the back and shoot things. Oh, and if you guys haven't on the Xbox dashboard right now, um, there's like the Reach countdown, and every day they've released a new piece of content leading up to Reach. Um, and apparently, that Deliver Hope trailer is what happened to the last Noble Six. If yeah, I'm right. and that it's yeah, also how Cat yeah. lost her arm. Yeah, and that's how and that's how Cat lost her arm, and so that's leading into the the new Noble Six, which is who you are in the game. But then one of the videos they released, which is pretty cool, is um, a firefight walkthrough where the developers are playing and doing like an audio commentary while they play, and it's very very cool. Yeah, so, I was I was watching that, and there was a part when they came up where at one point in the development, the grunts you had to shoot off their face mask before you could get a headshot. So basically, the grunts would take two headshots to kill. And they were just talking about how completely unbalanced that made the game. It made the grunts like a hundred times harder. Oh yeah, which I thought sure. was pretty hilarious. <laughs> but yeah, um, well, there's one version of mode of firefight where you can play against just grunts, isn't there? Grunt apocalypse. Yeah, yeah grunt apocalypse. Nice. That <laughs> makes me so happy. Well, and you can do. I mean, like now in firefight, you're gonna have all the customization options that you have in multiplayer. So you can have just a mode where, um. Everyone well, has rocket launchers or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can customize weapons for stuff. But what, something I didn't know until um, yesterday was that there's a versus firefight where yes. one team plays as Spartans against the Covenant, and then basically the other team is, Spart- is elites, and they're pretty much just griefing the Spartans while the Spartans are trying to survive against the AI. What? Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, that sounds awesome. Yeah, it sounds... There's, I two, there's two versions of firefight. There's classic, which is never-ending, and then there's the new one, which has 15 waves and then a bonus round, and then it ends. Oh, that's awesome. Because they said that people get really burnt out with never-ending waves, and they didn't want to do that. So you can still play. You have the option, but they also concluded a an end to the firefight, which I think is kind of cool. I like that. Yeah, that's that's really cool. I'm really stinking pumped because you know reaches out. I mean, we're recording this Sunday night, tomorrow night. Um, like 26 hours from now, I'm going to be playing Reach, which is absurd. Like. I don't know. I'm I'm trying not to be a fanboy here because I, I don't consider myself a fanboy, but I feel like my fanboy is showing because I'm getting really pumped up. <laughs> I feel like um, I feel like it's your enthusiasm is contagious because I'm freaking out about Halo and 
I've never I've never gotten a Halo game at launch. So I mean, I played Halo the first one uh, back in like 2007 for the oh, first wow. time. So yeah, so I'm 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 on board. I'm doing. I'm like kind of like, yay, let's do Halo. <laughs> See, I I don't know if I am on board because I barely played Halo three and I was not any good at it, as you all know. So. Jeff, you're not invited to our kegger anymore if you don't like Halo. <laughs> I, I don't know if it's that I don't like it. It's just that like, I felt way behind the curve. You know, I felt like everybody that was playing it had played it for you know, however long, how many years ago it came out. Well, it's not and just that. Halo has like its own... It's just got its kind of own culture like when you play it. You know what I mean? Like, it's got yeah. its own like, rule set and like, like everybody just... Like, you play Halo a certain way. And once you kind of figure that out, you know, I don't even mean just controls. It's just about like the way... Even the multiplayer matches go and stuff. But. Yeah, it, well, you know, and I'm yeah, not even just. Are and yeah, I'm not even just talking about the multiplayer. I'm talking about what little I played of the campaign. Just, you know, I've actually over the past couple of years, I've played a lot of games. So it's not like I, I'm a complete newbie, but for some reason, just the, the campaign of Halo Three did not click for me at all. Yeah, you know, you know and, Jeff, it, it, you're right. It did. It took a little while for me too, but then eventually, you just hit that point where like you're you're throwing grenades and doing stuff and you're not even thinking about it and everything. But you're right. At first, like I really was having a hard time feeling like I was doing any good at the game. And then you hit Cortana and then you just hate it all over again. I don't want to talk <laughs> <Yeah>. about that. <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, because I, I am thinking about it. I'm like, well, maybe I should get in on the ground floor with reach and, and try and, uh, you know, understand yeah. how to play it and, and play the campaign and, and, you know, so I could actually maybe jump in on multiplayer and, and not instantly team kill everyone that I play with. Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, and then also, like, Firefight, I feel like, is a great jumping in point, too, because it's just, I mean, everyone sucks at Firefight. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. like, like, that's the thing is, like, even even if you're a good Halo player, like, you're, you're I mean, everyone's in it together and you're just getting overwhelmed by mm-hmm. Covenant like, Forces. Yeah, you just have to, like, hold on by the skin of your teeth and just trying out last but um yeah halo reach is gonna be fun it wasn't the only game i checked out of pax surprisingly uh i also wanted to see a few other games while i was there you mean you didn't just get in line again after you finished playing just <laughs> that's what you did <laughs> no i did fi- i did multiplayer and firefight that was it i was tempted to line up once more for firefight but i didn't so um <laughs> the other thing i the other one i really wanted to see but i didn't get a chance to do it like the very last hour of the convention was portal 2 because, uh, like, again, as I mentioned in my roundup, the line was closed off by the PAX security guys, the enforcers, every time I went to go and get in it. So, like, Friday and Saturday, I did not see Portal because there was just no chance for me to get in line. Wow. Yeah, that was pretty popular. So, But uh, eventually on Sunday, I did get to go see it after they had run out of T-shirts. So I felt a little cheated. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, it was pretty cool. Like, the if you saw the pictures I put up, it's just basically like this big cube with the two robots on the side. And then on the inside is like this little theater setup where you just go in and sit down and then the valve guy and a girl in a cat suit. Okay. So yeah. So after, after he picked the, uh, the audience volunteer, um, it was like this nine minute or so demo, just basically like doing a short outline of what you can expect from the portal Two co-op. Um, I saw some really neat things. Like I like, I didn't know that, uh, you were going to be able to have like, gestures at your partner like being able to hug him and high five him and stuff that was i thought that was pretty funny and a nice touch too i don't know how much people are going to take advantage of that but it's in there so well, um, the pinging, other, pinging was a cool addition from the video i saw yeah being able to point at a specific surface and then using like just clicking one of the thumbsticks 
uh, sets down this waypoint for the other person's portal. So I thought that's going to be smart. something that's going to be really handy. Yeah, along with each person having two portals, because like originally I imagined it as a kind of a one portal each type of thing, mm-hmm. and that would have been kind of a pain in the ass. But it's working out. It's working out uh, differently than I originally thought. So it's looking pretty good. Like the Source Engine. I don't know if they upgraded or anything, but it looks incredible in that game. It looks, it looks good. Like, I think they did upgrade something, because it looks really good in that game. Yeah, like, just everything is nice and smooth, and the, and the textures are, like, really, really, like, just refined, and the lighting is awesome. Were you playing it on a 360? Yeah, they were playing it on 360. Okay. I, I actually am still thinking maybe that it might be a PS3 purchase, just because of what all the I stuff I was going to ask you guys about, about that. Yeah. Well, okay, but if you buy a PS3, do you get it PC? What did we ever discover that? Yeah, not? they haven't talked about that. Like, if I can, if I can get it on the PS3 and play with my PC friends, I'd get it on the PS3. I think. Yes, I would yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I have a bunch of Steam friends, right? That you know, like I would want to play with. So, but yeah, yeah. That's gonna be rad if they can integrate that. Because if not, I'll probably just get it on PC. Like, I don't know. I mean, I'm yeah. probably gonna get it on PC anyways, just because that's where Valve games belong. But for people who don't have, a, I agree with like, you, like a proper PC, like that's gonna be a definite bonus. Yeah, to getting on the PS3 and being able to play with your other friends, that'd be cool. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm really interested because yeah, like it looked from from the clips they showed because yeah, I was the same way. I expected it to be like each person gets one, like one person gets the blue portal gun, one person gets the orange one. But the fact that both have you, but you each have both portals, and you can kind of you can link your portals together. If I, I mean, is that was that right? Because sometimes they would show a red one, and was that when you were linking them together? No, the you um, the tall the tall robot gets orange and red, and the short robot gets like blue and light blue. Oh, I think. okay. Yeah, and I think you can like your portal only opens to your other portal, so you like can't shoot a red one and then open it with a light blue one. Oh, mm. Okay. Yeah, so you're still confined to having just your portals. It's just how you use them. Yeah. But just think about just think about that. Like how com- complex that's going to make all the puzzles. Oh yeah, the, like the crazy people. complex. Yeah, yeah. Well, just yeah, from like the, a, the videos with all the paint and, and gel and everything is pretty crazy too. Yeah. Yeah, like I was watching the video in the demo. There's a thing where they go over the light bridge, like the solid light bridge. They like shoot like different portals and it comes out the other end. Like just watching that made my head hurt. I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to do this when it actually comes out. <laughs> Yeah, I've actually stopped watching some of the videos because I'm like, I don't want any of this puzzle stuff to be spoiled for me. Like, yeah, I, yeah, I haven't looked at any previews or anything like that since the initial one. Yeah, I, yeah, I haven't really watched. I just basically watched the trailer and then maybe a little bit of gameplay stuff with the the robot guy. But yeah, I know I'm gonna like that's it. it. I like I, yeah, it. I'm, I'm like I don't want to see anything else because I want the puzzles to be. I don't want to already know how to solve them. Like, I wonder that's, how long the the co op campaign is gonna be. You know, I think they said, said. I think they said it was. It's actually going to be longer than the original main game. Wow! It's, it's twice as long as the main, as the original, and the single player campaign is also twice as long as the original. That's all awesome. shit. That's so, a lot of content. Yeah, yeah that's, that that's direct from the mouth of the Valve guy at the. Uh, that, demo. So so that's like eight, eight to ten each. hours for each. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. I'd, I'd probably go. I'd probably go more eight than ten, but yes. Well, you know, so sometimes, sometimes, you can, sometimes you can do you, Portal and like three hours i mean well yeah but you know sometimes you get lost <laughs> it depends on how stupid you are really yeah <laughs> sometimes i'm pretty stupid <laughs> and everybody has their own way of playing games like 
you know, for some people, you say eight to ten hours, they know that they maybe explore more, so they're going to be on the ten-hour side. I usually finish games a little bit quicker than other people because near the end, usually I get tired of all the bullshit. And I just rush right through it, so mm-hmm. I usually finish games slightly on the lower end of things. So eight I'm to usually 10, I'm that's usually fine. an explorer guy. But yeah, yeah, I'm an explorer guy. Yeah. yeah, but but then again, I don't know. For puzzle games, a lot of times I just kind of want to do the puzzle. Like I just like yeah. I want to boom puzzle, boom puzzle. Like so. Man, I'm excited about Portal Two. Just hearing that, you, you know, because we're gonna. The, there's nothing more fun than having a good like co-op session with someone on on a good game like that, and you know that's gonna be so much fun. Yeah, I hope I man, I, I'm I'm with you. I hope that it. I hope I can get out on PS3 because I think that'd be really fun. Because I've never played online PS3, so it'd be a mm, yeah, fun first time oh, to do well, it. Oh, well, we need to play Uncharted 2, dude. I don't have that game. You, did you sell it? No, I just I, I used Eddie's copy. Yeah, yeah, he, you, borrowed, uh, yeah, yeah. you borrowed mine to play. Gotcha. I quit. Well, then borrow it again, and we can play, because Eddie never goes on there. Uh, so I, I guess we've kind of run the gamut on uh, Portal 2, because it was kind of a short demo. So, I mean, the info they showed was cool. I wish they had had more, but that's typical Valve by this point so um let's see what else did i go see i went and saw like the lucas arts had a booth there with both the old republic and the force unleashed 2 and the old republic i am not as excited for anymore that was kind of actually is extremely disappointing to actually get like hands-on time with it and just like have it fall flat in its face in like the first second i used it see well, that's are, interesting are you an mmo guy mitch i played the original star wars mmo star wars galaxies before that tanked and then I moved so, over to World of Warcraft, and I got to level eighty with the Death Knight. Okay. Yeah. So so so, so you're so it's not familiar with MMOs. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I've got I've got MMO experience. Yeah. See, here's sure. the thing. I I don't, and so it's hard for me to judge MMOs from videos, from just gameplay videos. So when I watched the Force Unleashed videos, I was I mean not Force Unleashed the the Old Republic videos. I was like, this looks lame to me. Like, it, lo- it looks like really lame to me, honestly. But yeah, I, if you, I just if didn't you know what I thought. You know, I was like, eh, I just because a lot of MMOs just kind of look lame. When yeah, you so I didn't want to. I didn't. Well, no, no, <laughs> no, it's no, true. It's true. That's that's the thing. That's why I said like I didn't want to judge it because like the videos looked lame to me. But MMOs usually look lame on video, yes. which is why most trailers for MMOs are just like machinima, machinima. essentially. Oh yeah. yeah, you know. Yeah, because if you watch like a Warcraft battle, like. Um, buddy i went down to pax with he plays a lot of warcraft he's actually like really good at it as much as good as you can be at wow and his job as a paladin healer is to just sit there and hit the button to heal yeah every every time every time he probably has one of those one of those add-ons that has like everybody's health so he can just click on the the person who has the least health right or whatever yeah that's all he does basically so he doesn't really need graphics and i bet every time that guy tries to do something other than heal everybody fucking yells at him yep yeah, oh yeah! Exactly. Oh, are you joking? You can't. Yeah. No, you, no, you can't. Oh. Hey, you'll what are you doing? Trying out. to do a protect spell, motherfucker! You heal me. You'll kick. You'll get kicked <laughs> out of the out of the forty minutes. They'll find somebody else because other people want to. Yeah, and, and uh, I would tell I'm, other like, people want to run uh, RFD or whatever the fuck. That, that doesn't even sound fun at all. Yeah, because it's like when you pay my subscription, you tell me how to play. Until then, fuck you. No health. <laughs> no, he's a, he's actually like the premier healer of his guild. Wow. Yeah, pretty much all he does is he's, he just says he plays whack-a-mole because he waits for someone's health to go down and then he spams heals. But yeah. Um, anyways, the force, the force on the yeah, it is. It's so much fun to watch him play it. But the force <laughs> unleashed too. Um, I picked the Sith Inquisitor because that was the first open booth. I don't know what the specialty of that class is, but basically they gave you like this like. Wait, you're toy- talking about the old Republic? Yes, I'm talking about the old Republic okay. now. Sorry. Okay. okay. Yeah. So basically, really they give you they give you like this thing that looks like a toy lightsaber. 
Like, if you went to the store and bought, like, one of those cheap plastic child's toys, that is the weapon your guy was using in-game. If I bought one of those. If, well, when. But anyways. <laughs> already got yeah, it. it. It looks yeah. super lame, so. <laughs> back, back when you bought it. Yeah. Dude, I've got you one bought. in my car. I'm serious. Anyway. Yeah, I think I do, too. I had one of those, like, $150 master replicas. Oh. That was pretty awesome. Wow. Then, I, then I use it for real duels, which you're not supposed to do, and it broke. Oh, like a duel with a, a real lightsaber that would break anything I think stupid man yeah <laughs> alright anyway continue so think okay so um, yeah so the first thing you do is you go down and you talk to this quest giver and it's it's a lot like Mass Effect like the like the conversation wheel pops up and you choose your thing but it's because it's an MMO it's even more bare bones than Mass Effect's choices and you know like Mass Effect's choices will have like a couple words like this is like boiled down to one word like most of the time. So it's like, go and meet the Sith Hermit or whatever. And it's like, no, yes, and Kill. sarcastic. <laughs> it was, ba- Ooh, was basically wow. the choices I had. So I went with sarcastic. And like, the the writing is okay. The voice acting is pretty shoddy. So it's like, they're kind of, they're trying, it feels like definitely like they're trying to shoehorn in story into an MMO where like, people don't play MMOs for the story. Like See, the thing all. is, that's what their focus is. Yeah, that was what they were supposed to do, right? That would, They were going to bring stories to the MMO, right? Yeah. And, and wasn't it, the voice acting one of the huge selling points? They're like, we've recorded so yeah. much voice acting. Every, every, every character. character. Yeah. Every, every character, character has a voice. But like, I, I, think they're they're going, I think they're going about it wrong. Yeah, I think they're going about it the wrong way because you don't beat Warcraft with a good story. Like, if people wanted a good story, I'm sure they'd play a single-player game. If people want if you want people to play your MMO, you have to give it a hook that Warcraft doesn't have. And, like, obviously story doesn't work. Otherwise, Blizzard would do it because their RTS games have, like, have pretty decent stories, like Warcraft and Starcraft. Yeah, no, Warcraft is a, overall is a pretty cool story. Yeah, so if they wanted to do story, if they thought it would have worked, they obviously would have done it because they... They know they don't even play. need to bother with it. Yeah, like, that's not what people play MMOs for. So, I don't know, maybe Bioware's, like, Bioware is swinging for the fences with that one, I think. But once you get past that and into the combat, that's when things really start to break down. Because this build was pretty shoddy that I played. Like, it didn't even have the dance command in it. Like, you need a dance command in an MMO. <laughs> so yeah, so after you finish um, talking to the guy, then you go out and you actually fight with uh, the indigenous uh, population of Korban, which is uh, slugs. You know, because every MMO has to have mutated slugs for you to fight. Um, first thing I noticed about the comet is like, it is just the same, like they call it the MMO dance where you and your enemy just stand there in one spot and just whack each other with your attacks until one of you dies. But the thing that I noticed about this build of the old Republic is that like how bad the, the combat animations were. Cause like I'd start doing an attack and then like, for some reason, halfway through the attack, I would just stop and then reset. So that totally broke like, huh? what little immersion there was because i like it was very clear to me that i was playing a broken game like and i would just kill guys and they would just fall down and die and then my guy would go back into his regular stance but have his sword out and then at one point his sword just disappeared so like i don't even know why they bothered to bring it if 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 it was that shoddy i guess i wanted to give people hands on time and for that i got to give them credit but it just made me more wary about the game than it did excite me so it's weird. Left, sorry, keep going. Yeah, I just want to say I left that part of the booth and moved on to the Force Unleashed one. But yeah, go ahead with what you're going to say. It's weird because like looking around, I haven't read a lot about people's impressions about um, 
you know, tour. So it's 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 interesting that you're saying all that because you know what I mean like I just haven't read people say yeah this kind of was lame. You know I just haven't really read much of anyone I saying think, anything like you know, that. You know I heard that you know that awesome trailer that they showed at E3 that came from this other company that cost it was a million dollars a minute uh, to do that trailer. That's how much they charge for those things. I think that I know why excessive. they did that now. I I know that's what I. I've heard that on the one of the one up podcasts or something like that. Oh yeah, I mean um, they they outsource all the. I mean most of the companies outsource. Uh, oh yeah, but I was like, that. wow, that's that's excessive amount of money to pay for a trailer. And now I know why they did it. If as Mitch says, the game is kind of meh. Yeah, you <laughs> so. can't you can't make in game trailers with with that engine. I'm telling you that right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah the the company that did that is called Blur, and they they do a bunch of uh, video game stuff, and they're pretty awesome, but. And the amount of money yeah. you're sinking into an MMO, you you kind of want it to be a success because it yeah. can sink a yeah. company. I mean, it won't yeah. sink Bioware because they have EA backing, but and I mean, LucasArts backing and LucasArts backing. But I mean, there's a huge possibility. Mm-hmm. I, I'd say a huge likelihood that this game is going to fail. I think and we're going to see Mass Effect three a whole lot sooner now. I yeah, I don't know. I mean, I feel well, like it's different. It's different studios that work on them, but yeah, yeah. I just mean just to make money for them again. But it could close the it could close the second Bioware. Studio. Yeah, because there's Bioware so, Austin, there's Bioware Edmonton. Edmonton, yeah, yeah. It so could close Edmonton Austin. Works on Mass Effect. Austin works on Kotor. But yeah, it, I, I wouldn't be just surprised. To get a profit if it, margin back in again. <laughs> so what do you think of the Force Unleashed two? Uh, I thought it was a lot better than uh, than uh, the Old Republic because it's kind of weird the way they positioned the booth was the Old Republic was facing prominently towards the floor and then the Force Unleashed was like tucked off in the corner. And I would have flipped it the other way around because the Force Unleashed two was awesome. It was like it was it is way better than the first one because you were just running around and you're flinging stormtroopers. You do like a free fall down a tower, and at the end you face off against three ATSTs or whatever. And the whole thing is like really smooth. They really tuned up the controls. The graphics look like way better. It's just like the first game, just like writ large, it is a lot better. And I, I honestly can't wait for it in October. So. I walked away from the uh, LucasArts display anticipating at least one of their games. So, oh, is, it, is it in October? It is in October. Wow, I didn't realize it was so soon. For some reason, I uh, thought yeah, it was I like spring or something. You know, I, I, I hated the first been looking one. For, see, I enjoyed the first one, but I also played it. I got it for either I borrowed it from someone or I got it for like $5. I think maybe I borrowed it from my brother, and so I didn't I spend any money on it. Well, neither did I. I rented it, but still, it pissed me off. I really enjoyed like most of the game. There's like three fourths of it that's actually really fun. It's just there's there's one or two levels that are really badly balanced, you know. And and so I'm actually I've been looking forward to the sequel because I want to see more of what's good in the first one. I understand why people didn't didn't like it, but it's nice to hear that yeah. the the new one is like more polished. I understand the story. Like it, they have a good premise because if you've played the first one, you know. That it would be weird for the main character to come back in a second one, but they yeah, have I, a good I read explanation the novel. for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, no, that's, that's cool. That makes me happy that, that it's going to be a little bit better than you know. I'm I'm yeah, I'm it, always it, try something again. I don't you know. I don't it definitely just seemed like the good parts of the first. So well, that's, that, good. that's good. Yeah. So should I just not even play the first one? Just, no. Okay. Just pretend it's like Assassin's Creed and just skip it. Okay. Yeah. Pretty much. I would like so. to see another like Rogue Squadron or flying type game on this next gen. I think that would be good. When's the last time there's been one of those? GameCube. Uh, the GameCube. Yeah. Wow. Rogue, I think Rogue Leader was the last. The, or Rogue Rebel Strike, the third one. The third yeah. one, yeah. And then the company that made that killed themselves with Lair. Yes. Yeah. Suicide. 
Yeah, we're we're like long overdue for a good flying Star Wars game. Then I want an X Wing remake. Give me that, and I will be so happy. I think a lot of people want that. Yeah, yeah. X Wing versus Tie Fighter. Oh, I would die and go to nerd heaven. <laughs> cool deal. Well, uh, moving along to the what are we playing section of the podcast. Uh, I guess we're going to start first with Anthony. Uh, you've been playing Metroid Other M. Uh, briefly. Yeah, <laughs> I played um about two hours of it, and um, then I quit it, as I've detailed in my post on uh, Gamer Sushi. And, um, <clears throat> you know, it's I love Metroid. Like, I really love the Metroid series. And it was one of those when it was time to decide if I really wanted to keep playing it or not. I mean, I agonized over it because I was like, I feel like I should play it because it's Metroid, but I didn't want to play it. And eventually I was like, you know what, life's too, too short. I'm not going to play this anymore. But one of the main things that well, it just felt kind of not really. I don't want to say streamlined because streamlined is a good thing. It felt it felt dumbed down. Like you know, in most Metroid games, you don't have to kill the enemies. You know, like it's helpful to you sometimes. But if you're in a hurry, you can just sort of run past them and get into the next room. This one sort of did like Zelda and forced you to, in, in some rooms, kill all the enemies before you could move on, which would be fine if it wasn't for the fact that they made the combat sucky. Like, like I said, you could auto-aim. Um, like, basically, Samus just auto-aims whoever's closest to her. So if there's a wasp flying high above her and she's facing it, she'll shoot it even. And you don't have to do any aiming at all. You just have to face her in that general area. So they made the combat boring, and they made you have to fight. And um, that was the thing that annoyed me most about the gameplay. But the main thing I want to talk about is the, the cutscenes. Like, they were very poorly voice acted and they kept and like I said I only played two hours so maybe it lessens um, I doubt it uh, those things usually only tend to get worse so maybe it less but maybe it, maybe it does lessen as you get through more of the game but it kept I was I would be exploring which is the point of Metroid is to explore and then all of a sudden it would interrupt it to show a cutscene and maybe sometimes the cutscene was just like oh look there's a big boss and it's jumping in in a dramatic fashion but then usually it was more like a flashback or something like that and the quality of the voice acting and the just the the writing in the cutscene was like ps1 quality like or or you know not really that there was much voice acting in the ps1 so maybe it's like a early ps2 but well there was it was atrocious though yeah it it just was not very good at all it, i really just hated everything that i saw of it like the the jennifer hale is the girl who does it and she was just really um trying to p- portray Samus as distant and emotionless, you know, and very cold. And it just came off as she was, she sounded bored. It bored me. And you didn't like cutscenes are, are not what you want to play Metroid for. You want to play Metroid because, you know, you get an item and then you want to, you go use that item or you get to a room and you want to see what's in the next room. You don't really play it for the story. And I felt like they, don't get that, and they decided that story was what people wanted to play this game for. And so, getting to the did next cutscene, they sacrifice fun for flair. In a way, in a, in a little bit, yeah, I, I think they did because you know those cool kick-ass you know moves we saw like in the trailers and stuff, where she like grabs somebody by the head and and puts them in a headlock and then shoots them in the face. Those are real easy to activate. Like you would stun a guy with like a missile. And then just run up to him and press the shoot button. And as long as you're running while you press the shoot button, she automatically does the move. So there's no skill to it or anything like that. And 
there, but there's these just constant cutscene interruptions um, as I was playing, and I just it kept breaking up the because you know you get in a Metroid, you get sort of you're isolated, you're alone in this alien world, and you got to get into the zone of Was like the music. Awesome. I really didn't notice it. Um, Ooh, yeah, it was. See, I love like, the music in Metroid. So. Yeah, because it's not really music. It's like these little. It's like this ambient, like really creepy, like backgrounds, but but it's there. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, and, it, and as you, the more you play it, then you start to hear the melody, but it it sounds kind of. This, Sort right. of weird experimental music at first, and you're you don't know yeah. what to think of it. It it feels really alien, which is what you know you want, which is the point. Um, this one, I really honestly, I started to say I didn't notice the music at all. Hmm. But um, the, so yeah, then it's, it's got if it doesn't have gameplay and it doesn't have an awesome uh, atmosphere, then it's not really a Metroid game, is it? Yeah, it's like they took away the fun gameplay, they took away the atmosphere, and. The exploration, they dumbed it down because if there's like a missile um, tank or something in the room, they show you on the map where it is, and usually you just have to kill the enemies to get like, to get it to appear, and then or you maybe need an ability to get to it. But like, there's this silly like the writing is so silly because you know in Metroid games at the beginning, Samus always loses all of her stuff through something that happens. It's not important how it happens because it's a video game, and that's the point of the game is to go back and collect all of our stuff and make her powerful again by the end right. of the game. Right, like it doesn't Symphony of the Night. Exactly, and so it totally doesn't matter how it happens; it just has to happen. Well, in this game, in order to have because they're trying to tell a story, they needed to make it make sense. So, since you're working with like the the, the Federation military, <laughs> you're not authorized to use missiles at this time. Which okay. Uh-huh. That, That's pretty lame. All right, fine. Yeah, yeah. But the worst part was, I got to this room, and you could see up above that there were the things, the logo to use the grapple beam. Yeah, yeah. You, you you can see the the grapple icons, but I can't use my grapple beam because I'm not authorized to use my grapple beam. Why can't I use? It's not a weapon. It's just a thing to get from place to place. Why can't I use my grapple beam? But because they're trying to insert cutscenes and story into Metroid they felt like they needed to make it make sense that she can't use these things. But that doesn't make any sense. Why can't I use a grapple beam? You know? Well, see, is the problem then that they stuck? Because uh, you keep saying that, there's like, it's that they stuck story. I mean, maybe the problem is that they put a bad story to Metroid. Oh, yeah, ex- exactly. That's it. It's not really... Because you, you can put... That's what I thought that they were going to do is put a good story in Metroid because I kind of was one of those people like, oh, let's wait and see. It's not going to be that... It can't be that bad, right? And, and then it was. It was. I mean, it was, I really didn't think it would be like this. So yeah, you can put a you can put a story in Metroid. I mean, Metroid Prime Three had a lot of story to it, and it wasn't it wasn't bad by any means. I enjoyed that game. You know, like it yeah, that just, sounds like overkill. Yeah, it it was because there's a way to do cutscenes properly, like in video games. You know, some like I think you know you can either do them like where there's a, a very few of them, or and they're kind of long, or you can do them where there's I think Final Fantasy Thirteen tried to do this thing where. They tried to have shortcut scenes, but there were a bunch of them. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't really know if they succeeded in that all the time. Um, but there were none in really Final Fantasy Thirteen that seemed excessively long. I mean, there were no Metal Gear Solid Four kind of long cut scenes. But I think there's a way to tell a story without having lots of cut scenes that interrupt the action. Yeah, well, and it's interesting because people have been criticizing Nintendo for a little I mean, I'm one of them. People that have been criticizing Nintendo for not, um, for for kind of being slow to get on the c- kind of cutscene or like story wagon, um, and 
so I, it seems like Metroid Other M was almost a response to that. Like, say, so like, yeah, we can come, we can jump in and get into the story. And it just sounds like they just missed missed the boat like completely. Uh, yeah, they hired, that is. they hired Team Ninja to do the story. I mean, that's just kind of like <laughs> that, that that right there. Like, I'm not saying that they're bad game designers. I'm just saying that you don't play Ninja Gaiden for the story. You would think the gameplay would be better than. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's true. Oh, then again, they're working in the limitations of the Wii, right? So, how are you going to make that that type of Ninja Gaiden combat with the uh, with the Wiimote? But, anyways, enough about That's that. True. Well, yeah. you don't necessarily have to make it like Ninja Gaiden, but you can make it like a Metroid game. Yeah, they exactly. Could, they could even do that. Yeah. You know? So it's, it's uh, yeah. I mean, I thought the the combat in Prime was. I played uh, I've played the first Prime and Prime Three, and and I I actually those make it seem like the Wii is perfect for first-person shooters. I mean, I've never really played them on a, on a computer, but just the way it works in Prime, it seems like the perfect uh, place for it. I know Other M is like a weird half-and-half half thing, though. So it's what is it like? Half of it is, is the 2D other style, and then every once in a while you pop into the first-person view. No, it, well, it's this weird kind of mixture of 2D, 3D, and first-person because it's sort of like a third-person action game, like, with the, like Devil May Cry where the camera's fixed. Um, but sometimes as she's like in a, like she'll be running away from the camera. And so it's like, she's going down a hallway. So it's like a third person thing. But then sometimes the room will curve and the camera will adjust. And all of a sudden you're on a 2d plane, but it's still, it's still a 3d world. And if you point the controller at the screen, it becomes first person. So it's this weird mix that I, th- cause I thought it was just going to be straight 2d, but it's really a third person, uh, game, um, with occasional 2d when she goes into a, that certain, you know, like when the camera adjusts to to a, like a more horizontal plane. Um, so it's this strange mix of everything and none of it really works too well. So. Yeah, but see, I guess my point was that like, it's not just that it's on the Wii that it has bad combat. It just sounds like they, they did a bad job of... Sort oh, of no, no, no. It has nothing to do stuff. with... Yeah. It has nothing to do with, I think, Wii limitations. It was just them... Um, I don't know. They just... They don't get what makes a Metroid game good. Because, so. yeah, I mean, like, Shadow Complex is... Well... Side scrolling, but works in a 3D plane. You can shoot off into the distance in, in 3D, and that, yeah. that's a, you know, so there is a, a way of doing it. Excellent. And uh, Jeff, you played um, Metroid Prime 3. That had a lot of story in it, but it wasn't really, I don't remember it too well. It wasn't a lot of cutscenes, was it? It was more like in game stuff that was happening. Like you could move your character around while people talk to you and stuff, right? Yeah, I don't really remember there being cutscenes in Prime 3. I think there were like, you, you'd get little transmissions that tell you what's going on. And at the start of the game, there's stuff that sets it up, and then every once in a while. But something I was thinking about is that, like, as consoles have become more powerful, it's become possible to do in game scenes where it's not a cutscene. So because the engine is strong enough, like with uh, Resident Evil 5 or with Uncharted 2, those, those, yeah, go for it. those engines are powerful enough that they can include the voice acting and you can still be walking around and climbing on stuff. Like I, I remember right. scenes in Uncharted 2 where you're like climbing and jumping around and you're talking to Sully or you're talking to one of the other characters. And that, I think, is actually the way to do it where you feel like you're still in control. Yeah. And, and you can and you can still tell the story and still interact like real people do, and it still feels like a game. But it takes a really fucking powerful console and a really strong engine to do that. Well, and, I, and, I think yeah. really it's it's writing because I mean I don't have a problem with cutscenes. I don't hate cutscenes, but as long as they're good, you know. And well, and you're right. See, like, that's, 
that's the thing. Like, I, you know, it's one thing to say it's it's the writing, but like, I think everybody kind of hates the interruptions of cutscenes in games. Like, even well written cutscenes are kind of annoying. Well, I no, think even, I think like, that was the in, thing. Sorry, keep going. Uncharted, oh, I'm just saying, even in Uncharted Two, because there's a lot of there's cutscenes in Uncharted Two, and I would always look forward to them because the writing was so good. I wanted to hear the great delivery and the voice acting, and you know, like the funny things they would say, and like, well, what's going to happen next? Yeah, so, I guess that's true. And, and, and that was like all the actors are good, all the writing yeah. is good. Yeah, that, know, that, that was, that was and like, that's a rare exception. That right. is a very rare exception. Yeah, I think it depends. It's funny because I feel like the the mindset towards cutscenes used to be that because um, like in the past, I felt like you could just get away with just throwing in cutscenes all the time because they were new. Like it was something that only became or started to become available. Um, kind of, I guess, around the PS1 days, you know, it's when they started doing more cutscenes. But the way game designers used to look at them is that they were a, re- a reward. Yeah. You know I mean, like, you do this, you do this, you do this, and you get to watch a cutscene. And it's funny that now it's it's flipped um, in a lot of ways, that it's like, please, like, keep your cutscene <laughs> to a minimum. You know what I mean? Like, let me play your game. Um, yeah, you're right, because, like, when Final Fantasy VII came out and you got to one of those awesome-looking cutscenes, oh, yeah. really, you were so excited, you know? Well, yeah, and I think part of it was that, like, they were excited that they had the storage to put that on there. You know, they the the they were on CDs and they or DVDs, and they were excited because they were like, "Look, we can put giant three hundred megabyte." <laughs> videos yeah, and I think some now. of it, like, and when those first came out, like like Final Fantasy VII and like the Legend of Dragoon, um, a lot of it was like, "Oh my God, they're sort of showing off. Look what we could do with these awesome cinemas and everything." And then they stopped. They 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 kept making them more crazy and overblown and everything like that. So every cutscene was like this really long, you know, insane thing that's like this doesn't have a good flow to it. It doesn't have good pacing. It, it just made the game seem out of whack, you know, like especially especially the JRPGs, you know. They they really kind of didn't know how to cut it back eventually. They just try, try to outdo each other. Yeah, you're right. They might have oversaturated, you know, uh, that it became a thing where it was like, Hey, we need to do this, and then everybody did it. You know, um, right? It became a thing. Yeah, that, that's probably what happened. Yeah. Well, this all kind of dovetails into what I want to talk about because I, I I've been playing Alan Wake recently because I decided that I wanted to finish it. And one of the exciting things that the developers talked about when they talked about Alan Wake was how they wanted it to be like the first season of a TV show, and how every section of the game would be like an episode of the show, which build you up for more than it actually is. I think that kind of works in maybe like the first section of the game when they're still establishing the story. Um, but it really falls by the wayside by the end of the game. Like I, all I really remember of this, the last chapter is like just constantly running from enemies and, and constantly being uh, ambushed. And I really overall did not think it was a very well-written game. I mean, it... it 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 compared itself to Twin Peaks and Lost and stuff like that, but I think they took all the really weird shit from Lost and Twin Peaks, and they were like, "Oh, we got to make our, our we got to go for this really surreal, you know, inexplicable horror game that doesn't necessarily make sense because that's all cool." They, I don't know. I wish they had gone for something more traditional storytelling wise. Like, I actually would have been excited if you could play one of those chapters and every episode of the game actually told a little story you know it's because because you you watch a a weekly tv show and it has like this happens this week and there's an arc and there's an a and b story and i mean i've read a lot about tv writing so i pay a lot a lot of attention to the the structure but 
it doesn't really do that at all. After a certain point, the game just sort of blends into each other. I mean, there's there's a whole plot in the middle of the game. Has everybody on the the podcast played it? I can't remember. I started um, playing it today. I I haven't. Yeah, me and Mitch have played it all the way through, but yeah. Okay, okay. So I don't think this is a spoiler, but in the middle, there's a plot thread with police that doesn't really get resolved. Yeah. Like he's get, you have to run from the police, and you never really find out why, and then it just stops. And, and it, it, like, I don't know, it, it gives you some tension in the middle, but it, it's kind of disappointing that it doesn't really have like a good payoff, in my opinion. And for, for taking I, up such a large chunk of the yeah, I mean it's the, the entire like what third yeah. chapter is devoted to the police chasing you, and it's like it's really built up. I don't know. I feel like it was ambitious of them to say that they were going to do it like a TV series, but they didn't really follow through, and it's kind of disappointing, really, that like the caliber of writing just doesn't seem to be there because that that's the thing, like video games are still absolutely a different medium from TV and film. And I don't think you should write them like TV and film. Um, but it would have been nice if they had given the, the chapters like story arcs. Like I was thinking about it and like of the recent games that I've played, I think Limbo is actually better written than Alan Wake. And anybody that's played Limbo <laughs> would actually say that like, you know, there's no dialogue in the game. Yeah, there's no dialogue, there's no cutscenes, there's no anything, and it's, yeah. it's interesting that it could be a better written game, but well, I, think, I think you're my, totally right. Yeah, my argument is that it's, it's the writing in Limbo is writing for a video game. So yeah. it's the kind of story that would only work in that medium and work as well as it does. And it's a very simple story, too. It's, you know, if it was a short story, it would be like a, a vignette. But it, it, all of those moments in the game... I'm just thinking about like, and, and I know you guys, Nick hasn't finished it and, and, and all that, but um, the very ending moment in the game is just so, the, the, the pacing is very tense near the end, and then there's just a wonderful release at the very last moment that was just so cool. And I, I felt like Limbo had a, did a good job of having that sort of building tension throughout because if all you've played is the demo, the demo is pretty sedate. And actually, I didn't, I wasn't that impressed with the demo of Limbo. I was just like, oh, is it just you walk a bit and then there's a scary <laughs> thing and then yeah. you walk some more? I didn't think it was going to be that great a game, but you guys just raved about it. And I'm glad I did pick it up because it just goes, it, it constantly raises the bar throughout, but it feels like it has a good arc to it. You know, it's like things are getting more and more twisted and more and more intense and you're when there's um, there's a story to the yeah, world even yeah. but you but don't it, you can't quite pull i mean but it's there i mean it's there to kind of pull out mm-hmm. you know um and i feel like the same thing like um like portal and left for dead are games that don't have cut scenes and but they have it's it there's i feel like there's a movement towards kind of an experiential story mm-hmm. that the portal st- is one of the single best written games ever yeah. i mean seriously and it's all like half-life 2 Half-Life 2 is great, too. Yeah, it's because it's not no cutscenes. Yeah. If I could chime in with a blast from the past, that's how the older Metroid games were. Like You would just tell, be able to figure out things in the story by just paying attention to stuff in the environment. There was no actual, you know, like no really no writing or anything like that, but it was a story you experienced in the game, not cutscenes and stuff. 
Right, it was explore exploration to tell a story about a world. Yeah. Right, exactly. See, yeah. I almost feel like there, there's a way to tell a story on TV and there's a way to tell a story in movies and it kind of does a disservice to video games to try and make them like those other mediums. I you know? agree with that, yeah. It's like the, the, the limbo storytelling is way different from the TV show and the, the portal storytelling. You know, you couldn't make a movie of Portal. Yeah. I mean, I well, can you, you could, imagine? Can you imagine what a limbo would have been like if it had been made by almost any other game developer, and it would have started with like a cutscene saying, "Like this is the story of a boy doing this," and then you mean if it had had like chapter breaks instead and of had, just a, instead of just a boy waking up. Yeah, exactly. And if which it was had, a brilliant opening, by yeah. the way. And if it had had chapter breaks that explained things going on with like cutscenes between the boy and whatever else is going on, you mean like how it would have broke the mood? Yeah, I, th- I think it would have been a totally different game and not as enjoyable. And and it's interesting because I feel like video game writing in a lot of ways, I feel like the writing of video games, I feel like we're starting to see steps, but I feel like it's still way behind in terms of where everything else has gone technology-wise. Um, because I feel like I feel like video game writing for uh, the most part is really weak. Like um, the Halo games, as much as I love the Halo games, I feel like the story and, and the storytelling in those games is always the weakest part um, of the Halo games, same thing like Metal Gear Solid Four. I thought the writing, you know, I, I actually think the story of Metal Gear Solid is pretty cool. I feel like the writing in a lot of the scenes is terrible, you know. Um, and I so it's yeah, so it's interesting that that writing's at a different place for the video game medium, kind of what you're saying, Jeff. Well, and like my first impression of Halo Three was the inexplicable story that starts it, where you're just like thrown into whatever's and there's some what is it. The, the the AI that's talking and I'm just like, I don't know what you're referencing. This is yeah. all gibberish to me. Why are you <laughs> telling me this? Like if that's well, the thing. The third like, game. Well it's the third game, but I played Uncharted 2 first and it still made sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. I think for video games you can't rely on people having played your trilogy. <laughs> you know, you, you your your third game should be just as understandable to a new player as the, the first game. I, I, agree, I agree with that a little, to a certain extent because most, even like movie sequels and stuff, they, they too try to sort of catch you up a little bit on what happens sometimes. And hopefully they can do it in a way that's not like a big exposition scene, you know. And um, and some games are able to do that as well. Um, Mass Effect 2, which I'm playing now, like they do a good job of sort of dropping hints about things that happened in Mass Effect 1 if you haven't played it. Mm. Um, but Halo 3, they were just like... you. You've got to have played the other two games. <laughs> well, I mean, I think it's the other thing to think about is that like Halo One and Two are on the Xbox, and if you didn't, you know, I, like, or there are some games where the earlier game is played on a completely different console generation, you know. So it, it seems like in those situations, they they should admit to themselves that there are going to be a lot of people that never played the Xbox games. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, I mean, you're you're requiring a lot of somebody, you know what I mean? Like, like instead of just go go watch a quick two hour movie, you know what I mean? Like, mm, yeah. you're, you're expecting a lot of somebody to have played a game, I think. Yeah, yeah it wouldn't have killed Bungie to, too much to do like a little short previous, you know, like or what happened before, you know, thing. Even maybe just an option, like previously like, on options. Halo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, like maybe just even an option in the like the bonus section on the main menu or something. Like, if you want to catch up on stuff. 
Yeah. Like, See, I, I kind of feel but like then they would have had to. They would have had to summarize the mess that was Halo Two, and I don't think they would have done that. <laughs> well, what's definitely anyone. interesting. I don't know. It feels like the mainstream studios are trying for things like Alan Wake, and they're they're trying to be like television and movies. And independent studios are doing a good job of of uh, playing with better storytelling modes. It seems like the the, the smaller guys are kind of getting it more and understanding what video game stories should actually be like. Yeah, I'm I'm totally with you on that. I mean, I indie games are doing some really fun stuff now, especially the the summer of arcade. The past two years has been great, but um, you know, I just played Guardian of Light, and I play which the you know the story was terrible on that, but the game well, so was the amazing. Laura Laura Croft game. Yeah, yes. the Laura Croft and the Guardian of Light. And, not Tomb Raider though; she's not reading any tombs. Right, and then uh, and then I just started playing Limbo, and so both those games are incredible and they're like what $15 a pop. So I played both I can play both of those for half the cost I can get a regular game for. A fourth. <laughs> a fourth, yeah. And then and then just have well I meant combined. Oh yeah, yeah. Just just have a have a better experience. Yeah, they're not going to be as long. I mean Guardian of Light is like what 6 hours maybe. It's still That's, I mean there was still a lot of content. There was a lot, yeah. It was it was great and especially and the replayability. Like, a lot. Yeah. Right. I want to go through and do like runs of levels to try to get all of the stuff. Well, yeah, yeah. and the co-op yeah. pack comes out on the twenty eighth or something. Or yeah, it's right. like there's online. more content for it. Yeah, yeah, to play online. I played it. I played it with Miles, uh, just sitting on my couch, mm. and that was so much fun solving puzzles with a friend. Like nice. it, it, it just it, it kind of like I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. It felt like kind of old school. It felt a little bit like playing a game with your friend like before the internet you know what i mean and like you're just <laughs> oh, trying nice. to figure out how to play games yeah and 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 i feel like and it was so simple like it was so simple but that's what made it great yeah i mean basically it's just it's i mean i've never liked any of the tomb raider games ever yeah, um, no. I I, it, it, I've played like demos, and as soon as you play it, I can't stand the controls. Yeah, I, I've I've always hated them, and so I didn't really know a lot about this one. But yeah, it's, but it's pretty much like they just they stripped down Tomb Raider and turned it into almost like a Diablo yeah. overhead style, and and that's how the combat is too, because you shoot and you kill things like that. So it's almost like one of those like Diablo yeah, kind of RPGs. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's almost like one of those Diablo style RPGs where you fight tons of enemies, you get loot, and then. Yeah. You solve puzzles together, and yeah. like you need each other to solve the puzzles because certain because like Laura Croft can do things that Totec can't, and then right. they have to work together to solve some of so, the things. Yeah, so he'll have to throw an arrow and then or a spear, and so she can hop on top of the spear to get on top of something, and then she shoots down her her grappling hook thing and then pulls him up. So and fun! It's <laughs> just like that that dynamic of working together. It clicked for me so so well. In in a in a way that nothing since Resident Evil Five has clicked that way. <laughs> Resident Evil Five. Don't talk about it. Awesome. Don't talk about it. Everyone but, hates I love that game. Resident Evil Five. But I mean, even like the like the the way that you you have the four weapons on. Yeah, the, I mean, they took a lot of cues from the Resident Evil Five design. Actually, yeah, it really it really felt a lot a lot like RE Five, and and is I mean, is the co op is as fun as it was in RE Five for a game that was fifteen dollars, and I'm just like. And then Limbo is, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm just a little bit into it, but it's freaking brilliant, you know? And then we talked about Alien Swarm, which was free, 
And then I played this other game called Don't Look Back, which actually came out like last year. But it was this, it's this little flash game. It's like six minutes long. And it's so simple. It's a little bit difficult, but it's so simple and it's so good. And I'm looking around and I'm just like, these games are doing awesome stuff. Indie games are doing awesome stuff, interesting stuff, great stories, great gameplay. And I'm, I'm like, I don't want to spend $60 for games anymore. Like, yeah, of course I'm going to, but it, I just feel like there's such a there's such a plethora of you can find everything you can find in the mainstream in an, in an indie game. If you want like an awesome RPG, you can find an indie game that's an awesome RPG. If you want an awesome platformer, if you want an awesome, you know, action adventure game, you can find all of that there. And a lot of them are going to be free. Well, and and I like, know, sorry, keep going. Well, no, I, I was about to say I know that you were talking about the the MMO, Eddie. Yeah, that's what I was going to jump in about. Because, I mean, they've tried to do free MMOs before, I think, but they've mostly failed. So well, When they say free, don't they mean, like, free to play the basic version, and then you have to buy stuff to get the add-ons? Or well, no, no. Firefall is going to be a totally different ballgame, because it's, like, literally, like, everything about the game is going to be free, and they're going to have some, some, some add-on stuff, but it's not going to be add-ons that are necessary. It's, like... Hmm. They're gonna. They say they're working really hard on figuring out a way for people to have stuff that they bought that doesn't change the core gameplay for everybody else that doesn't have it. Interesting. Um, and so it's uh, the thing we're talking about is a game called Firefall for people listening. It's it's a uh, it's it's from the creators of Tribes and some people from World of Warcraft. And Mitch posted about it the other day on the site. Um, and it's got a really impressive. I mean, it's really impressive looking because these are people working with a budget um, to make this really nice free MMO. And speaking of Mitch, he's had some technical issues, so he dropped out of the podcast. So you haven't heard him speak in a long time um, and won't <laughs> for until <laughs> the next podcast. And we're all very sad about it, actually. Yes, he was, yes. He was very sad. But um, that's why you don't use free headsets you want at PAX, apparently. But, um, <laughs> Lesson learned. But yeah, um, but anyway, so he posted about this, and if you, you should really go watch the video. I don't know if you guys have, but it's really impressive. I mean, it's quality. It does not look like a game that would be free. It's almost it's like a third person shooter. Uh, it's gonna have all the leveling up. You fly a ship around. It looks really cool, um, but it's just really impressive to see that it's free. And and Kotaku had a thing that they wrote about where it's a video game designer named Dave Perry. A few years back, he was saying that the day uh, he has this quote or something where he talks about like the day when a company releases a, a high quality game that people would expect to pay full price for for free, um, and people flock to it or whatever. He's like that's going to be the day that the gaming industry changes because it'll be really hard is what Nick was just saying. It'll be really hard to pay $60 again when you've played a game for free that has tons of replay value that you would expect to have paid $60 for. But they, yeah. there has to be some economy of how they're going to support that. Like if they're not doing, that's what I was wondering. It costs a lot to make like, an MMO. That like every that's, other, it, that's why I say every other MMO that has been, "Quote unquote free to play." It's been supported by microtransactions. So, how are they? What's their business model? You know, there, there's got to be some way to make it supportable. Are you going to see ads for Verizon every two minutes? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, then that'll, that'll be the interesting thing to see is if they can figure out that kind of dynamic to make it. Um, you mean to 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 make it that enjoyable without. I guess hindering people, and it'll be interesting to see if they do. But I mean, a lot, I've never played Tribes, but a lot of people love those games. Yeah, um, it's a it's a PC shooter. Yes, uh, that I don't know much else about besides that. I mean, a lot of people are joking that Halo Reach is going to be tribes because it's got jetpacks and the different classes. 
you know, that it plays a lot yeah. more like Tribes does. Yeah, I only played a little bit of it. I wasn't, I didn't like really get into it, but I know a lot of people that are really into Tribes. Yeah, isn't it like it's it's an older game though? Yeah, are there people yeah. that are still like? Yeah, well, that's the thing about PC gamers is they'll still play games. Like, I mean, oh, yeah. there's still people playing StarCraft even though StarCraft Two is out. I mean. They'll they'll continue to play their games for years and years and years and years. Oh yeah, the original Counter Strike. Counter Strike, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's pretty wild. But no, no, I mean, it, yeah, it's still, it's 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 crazy, kind of all the stuff you say. I mean, that's um, just to see the future of of gaming could be this kind of digital. You know, we had a topic about this on Gamer Sushi. Like, when do you think the digital future is going to be here? Um, and if and if Lots of developers cut down and start releasing fifteen, twenty dollar games that are eight to ten hours long. I'd I'd hop on board. You know, yeah, definitely. Well, and, and you know, it's interesting. They're so concerned about the the used game market and and preventing people from trading in games. Um, I mean, I guess in a way, it's sort of nefarious to to switch to download only games. But if if they're great games and they're cheap enough, then that sort of balances it out. You know, it's, if it was like a $60 game that you could only buy and download and you couldn't, it didn't have any resale value, I, I could see people having a problem with that. But for a $15 if, yeah, game... Yeah, if you make a $60 download game for Xbox, people are going to have a problem for that, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But at $15 for a six, seven-hour game, that's, that's a game that, seriously, a couple years ago would have been a full retail title. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Guardian of Light could have been a retail title. Like, yeah, I, mean, I think so. If Guardian it, of Light was, was like a few hours longer, they could have sold it for sixty dollars. And if they would have had cutscenes instead of terrible comic book panels, oh god, those comic book be, panels were so. That like, could be. And that's the thing. It's like it, it, the story was terrible. The voice acting was terrible. The comic book panels were terrible. So the end of the game was just like, oh, it's over. Comic book panels. What's happening? Nobody cares. And I don't care about any of that because the gameplay was so much fun and the co-op experience was so much fun. That I really didn't care about any about that, and that it was fifteen dollars. If it was sixty dollars, I'd be really pissed. <laughs> I think if uh, if Guardians of Light were a full title, though, I don't think it would have. Obviously, I uh, we know this. I mean, I'm stating the obvious here. Uh, it wouldn't have sold obviously as well, uh, right. even if they you know made it longer and stuff like that. Um, and what yeah. I think they were trying to do, specifically with this game, I agree with you that you know ab- about your whole um, everything you just said. But what they're trying to do specifically with this is. Tomb Raider, Laura Croft, it's kind of had some downtime. I think they're trying to slowly revitalize and sort of yes. make people trust yeah. the brand again. Because this, was a, this was a really good way to do it. Yeah, because oh, this yeah. is a, a new studio that's working on it, and they are actually doing the next actual Tomb Raider game. Right. So I feel like this was kind of their warm-up to do the actual Tomb Raider game. Which I yeah, kind, like, I'm, look, I'm, see guys, you can trust us. You know? Yeah, and I'm, I'm kind of going to be sad if they, if they don't make it the same, to be perfectly honest. Like, I kind of just want it to be that, but more, you know? Right. Well, yeah. And I don't know, like it, what's, what's really cool about the gameplay. I feel like, cause a lot of games or at least like, like, like portal, like a level in portal is built around like one or two kind of set piece puzzles. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, even limbo. Um, well, no, no limbo. Limbo is different. Cause limbo and guardian of light, I put in the same kind of class, but, um, like resident evil five, there might be one or two small co-op puzzles you do together. Yeah. Like the, um, the mirrors, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Then you you kind of these kind of big set pieces that you figure out and move past. Guardian of Light throws puzzle after puzzle after puzzle at you, and so it's, it's addicting. 
Yeah, and and also like whenever I t- tell people about the game, because kind of what you guys were saying earlier about Portal Two, it was like, oh, I don't want to be spoiled by the puzzles. I don't, I don't go out of my way to tell people about the puzzles in Guardian of Light. But if I do talk about one, I don't care because there were fifty other puzzles in that level. That's you know? true, <laughs> and you're not going to remember it when you get to it. Um, it's true. Like I loved when you got, when you walked by and you saw a challenge room, like the puzzle challenge yes. room. Yes. I loved when I saw one of those. I was just like, yes, I get to do another puzzle, even though I just yeah. did a puzzle. But those were great because they were just like really super quick. Some of, sometimes I was like, wait, did I do it wrong? Because I would do, you know, you do it in like a minute, yeah. you know? And, but those were so much fun because they were just like, okay, you have this one thing to do in the room. You have to, you have to open this door and there's a way to do it. And then there's just like, okay, go. Yeah, and like, Anthony, that's, all, that's all it was. Yeah, the challenge room is like a room that you'll see on the level. Sometimes it was a puzzle to get to the challenge room. Yes. <laughs> to figure out how to access it. But it's like a specially marked like room that you can enter in the dungeon. And then you go in there and then you get in the room and it's just – there's a power-up. Usually it's a power-up or, or a secret mm-hmm. weapon or something mm-hmm. like that. And it's like solve this puzzle and get this. You know, And you can leave if you want if you can't figure it out. But the puzzle rooms were always a blast, like the challenge rooms. Yeah, and I, I just kind of love that it was like they didn't, they didn't hold your hand – like you yeah. walked into a puzzle room and they were like, "All right, this is what this is what you got. Go for it." Yeah, like and there's like, one you, had, you walk like, in. Oh, I don't, I don't know what to do. Yeah, like, there's like the one you walk in and there's like these wooden rafters or these wood these wooden walkways that form a square around it, around the entire room, um, and so you can run along the square or whatever. And then there's a cage that has a power up. You know, when the <laughs> and there's a there's a column in the center with spikes all over it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's like when you step on the switch, the the walkways all go down and then the cage goes up. And mm-hmm. so it's like, huh, I need to get into that cage to get that power up. But, you know, whenever I, whenever I step on the switch to open the cage, all the walkways are down. And when I step on it to lift the walkways up, the cage closes. So you have to figure out, well, how the F am I going to get, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, how the F am I going to get in that cage if the only access that, you know, and so it's like you walk in the room and you see what the problem is immediately but you have to figure out the solution for a while. Yeah. yeah. Those, are, it, those are the best. The best are like are things like that instead of where you walk into a room and you have to even figure out what the hell the puzzle is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was it was very cool, uh, especially when you're playing it with a, with a friend. When you're like, okay, I'm going to try this, and you try this. And, and then you just like, die and die. And, 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 then, die. and then y'all be doing it. And then one of you will, will be like, oh, 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 I think I got to do this. And then you'll, you'll, you'll do it and you'll high five each other and you feel so smart. Like, <laughs> I love it when you do a puzzle that makes you feel really smart. That's yeah. always a great feeling for me. Or the puzzle just defeats you for about 45 minutes and then you feel like an idiot, which is what happened to me and my brother. There's one puzzle later in the game um, in the lava level. There's a lava level, Anthony. Um, That was something that Mitch wanted to bitch about because Mitch beat Guardian of Light and he wanted to bitch about how we're past lava levels in video games. And see, I'm I'm against him on this because I think every great game needs a lava level. I think it's it's a staple game and you have to have a lava level. Resident Evil 5 had a lava level. There you go. Uh Yeah, because like, a lava levels are like like every movie in the '80s seemed like it had a, sand, a scene with quicksand in it. Yeah, you know? like when you were a little kid, you thought you were gonna walk into quicksand in your backyard because they were in every movie you watched. <laughs> that's and true. I missed that. You know, that's the that was the one thing that was great about Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull had quicksand. I yes. like that this game has lava in it. I'm gonna buy it based on that. You can't you can't play a game without no lava. <laughs> it's got right. no lava. It's got yeah. no lava. Yeah, I got I, lo- I love the lava. Yeah, yeah. So. But no, it's Guardian Light, great game. Definitely. Yeah, I, I need to play Limbo more. Reason, I'm, I'm pumped about Limbo. The reason why everybody's no many game companies aren't gonna make games like that, the smaller kind of bite-sized games that you guys are talking about, 
is when you look at games like on Tuesday, Halo Reach, the massive profits that's going to re you know rake in. Yeah. Oh yeah, they, they can make so much. It's more risky for them, but I mean, they have a lot more potential for money on those other things. See, the problem is not everybody strikes it. Like I see what you're saying, and I think you're totally right. I think that's yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, what I'm yeah, saying when I'm though. when I'm disagreeing with you right now, it's not disagreeing with you. It's disagreeing with the CEOs of all these companies. It's oh, like we're on the same page there, my friend. Yeah, it's like it's it's like there there's potential for huge rewards, but not. Like there's no formula to making a great game, and the people that have done it have done it through a lot of work, and you know what I mean. Like everyone feels like, oh, we can just make a, I'll just make a, Code of Duty game, and you know, <laughs> and rake in all right. my profits, you know, like Metal you know, Gear Halo Duty, <laughs> yeah, 18. you know, and it's and and a lot of these are franchises that that they've sunk a lot of work into, and they've there's usually something original about each one that people have latched onto, you know, and. What you guys are right about with um, independent developers as opposed to you know the big companies. I was reading in the the new um, issue of EGM. Uh, have any of you guys heard about that game called Joe Danger that's on the PSN? No. Okay. Uh, I've only played the demo and um, it's gotten really really good reviews. It's kind of like Excite Bike, but it's one of those games you know like it's it's a racing you know motorcycle game. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's one of those games where like you have to like. As you race through it, you have to collect through, collect like all the little items and do the little stunts and tricks. I played the demo and I was really addicted to the demo, and I, I haven't bought it yet, but I think I'm going to because it's really really fun. And it's from a, a four person independent studio with no track record. They took it to all these different publishers, and this is some of the things that the publishers said to them about the game. Okay, name me one popular game with motorbikes, as in we don't want this game. Uh, collecting giant coins feels unrealistic to me. I can see this working <laughs> as a Facebook app. Jeez. We want games that are less. We want games that are less about fun right now. What? We love the theme, but we, with a different game. Can Joe be a monkey? We like monkeys, <laughs> and we believe the iPhone will be largely unsupported. The reason I'm bringing this up is because video games are already at the point where movie studios are today. As in, the people running them, the movie studios and the publishers are fucking retarded. <laughs> yeah. That yeah. So I just needed to bring that up because that's why these independent games are going to be a lot, maybe more quality because there's less filler and less bullshit from on high than you know the big budget games and stuff. Well, I think the big budget games that do well are the ones that are built around like that passion for making a fun. You know what I mean? Like exactly. Instead of like we need to make a game that makes money. Well, which is what EA was notorious for for years. I mean, the EA was the old Activision. You know exactly. They I mean? makes EA look like, you know, angels. Yeah, and so EA is in the last few years they've shifted their corporate mindset and and you know, the argu- the the quality of some of their games they put out is arguable, but they turned around instead of being the Madden machine every year, they I mean they they bought up companies I mean they like like BioWare and um, they released Dead Space and Mirror's Edge, and they were, you know, and they have that indie, the indie thing where they help out indie game developers. Yeah, exactly. With money. Yeah. And so, so EA's turned themselves around. But I was reading about their CEO. Uh, what's his name? John. I don't I know. Not, yeah, yeah, uh, it, yeah, yeah. And he, like, I was reading a thing from him. I'm like, this guy sounds like a gamer. Like the way he's talking about these games. Like he he talked about Mirror's Edge, and and the way he described it was like. He was like, yeah, with Mirror's Edge, we couldn't, we could never figure out if we wanted to be Portal or if we wanted to be, you know. And he just started talking about it the way a gamer would talk about it. Right. Um, and I think that's been the shift where they started creating these games because I feel like there was more of a shift, and you know what I mean, like 
kind of what you said, like getting away from, yeah, yeah, uh, and it came from the top down. And I feel like that's where you see in the big budget games, like the higher quality, because I feel like Bungie is one of those studios too, you know, that that doesn't deal with as much of that, you know. But anyway, yeah, no, I'm with you because I I think that, um, no, I'm with you. I I think that I think that that's what makes a lot of these fun these games fun. What I was gonna, sorry, I don't know what I was gonna talk about. <laughs> okay, All ready. That? I lost it. I lost it. I'm gonna go go back. Uh, I'm with you on that, Eddie. I think that uh, something these indie games too kind of feel that way, where it's made by people that love video games. Because when I play these games, I feel like they they kind of have an old school feel to them, and not just I said old school again, but whatever. They they have. They feel like they were made by people that played video game the same video games I played when I was a kid, and so they know what I loved about the games when I was younger. and And I feel like in in indie games, we're kind of getting this return to simple, awesome, fun puzzle games, like good you know good stories, but not crazy, extravagant blockbuster stuff. Uh, so yeah, I feel like it. it there's kind of this. While mainstream games are going like bigger blockbuster, new, you know, shooter, great graphics, indie games are kind of this return to like old PC games that I used to love, like Sierra games or LucasArts games or something like that, or like you know, old, old Metroid on NES or something. So, do you think in the same way maybe that that gamers possibly got tired of cutscenes, that gamers could get tired of kind of these big budget like you know what I mean yeah like, I, think, like I, think on, I think there's a major there way be, I think there could be fatigue like yeah they're just so like you're like okay I'm I'm done like I mean a, a lot of us are kind of just done with shooters well yeah everything's turning into a big shooter with a multiplayer variant like everything is turning into like yeah you know and like think of every big release enough, it's turning into that I don't have enough hours to put like tons of time into each shooter that's going to have like experience points and stuff like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, you, have, you, have to, you have to basically pick and choose. Like, I mean, you're right. People will eventually get fatigued, but I mean, I think it'll take a long time. For, it depends. Probably. It depends on the franchise. Cause I mean, people are just now starting to get a little bit Madden sales are just now starting to get a little bit worse every year. You yeah. Know, it, it's taken this long. So, yeah. but you know, I, if they do Call of Duty every single year for the next five years, I think eventually people are going to be like, you know what? Well, I, I'm actually really curious how Black Ops does because I don't think it does as well as as people think it will do. Which, I, is, I, which is sad because I actually kind of am starting to want to play it. <laughs> I really want to play it now. I, I, I mean, I don't, I don't really want to play it, but if everybody else has it, I'm going to, you know, maybe I'll just do a rent instead of a buy. But yeah. I love Call of Duty 4's campaign. I never played the multiplayer, but I want more games like the campaign in Call of Duty 4. Like the the Jillies in the Mist level is one of my all-time seriously best video game levels ever. Yes. And so I'm actually like I'm probably not as fatigued by shooters as you guys are because I just, you know, don't have the history of playing like every single one that came out, but you know, it's like I personally have a demand for more of that quality. Mm. And so I, I, I am willing to try some of the others. I was really sorely disappointed with Modern Warfare 2. But, you know, I kind of want to play Black Ops a little bit, although I do feel a little bit burned after last year. But I think for some of the new ones, I'm going to wait and see what the reviews say and maybe wait until 
I have something to trade in or they're on sale or something. Cause that, that was the other thing I got COD for when it was like on sale for $25. So. Well, uh, moving along, um, from that, because we're kind of we've been talking about like writing in games and then moved on to kind of like downloadable things. Um, I'm actually I actually just played over the weekend uh, the Mass Effect Two DLC, uh, Layer of the Shadow Broker, um, and I feel like that kind of ties in with some of the stuff we're talking about, just in terms of like downloadable, and then we're talking about the big budget, uh, whatever. I feel like Bioware is one of those companies that that manages to do those things. I mean, I feel like they make the kind of games they want to play, mm-hmm. um, and. And the Layer of the Shadow Broker DLC is, I don't know, I feel like I should back up a little bit. Because I've, I've tend to make fun of um, the Mass Effect 2 DLC. I've never really played much of it. Like, I think I've gotten, I got the Zaid character um, when the game came out. Um, and I've got a friend Which that works. very DLC. Yeah, it did. I've got a friend that works at Bioware who's, who's always harassing me, like, play the DLC, play the DLC. Like, he lets me, so I feel like every two weeks he's emailing, emailing me about new DLC. And I'm like, I don't want to. <laughs> you know, like, right. I, I love Mass Effect 2, but I haven't, like, I've from what I've heard, all the DLC is kind of shoehorned into, you know, everything. And so, just like, so much of it. Yeah, and there's a bunch of it, and I'm like, you know, I'm I'm kind of past that. I really love the game. I'll probably replay it at some point, and I'll want to play the DLC then. But I don't feel like booting up the game and playing a weirdly treated DLC thing, you know, that could go anywhere. But I kept hearing great reviews of um, the Layer of the Shadow Broker. And so I finally, you know, Mitch was one of the people that raved about it. You know, IGN gave it like a 9.5 or something out of 10. Um you know, and a lot of wow. people were saying it was it was real good, so I downloaded it, and I have to say it's probably the best piece of DLC I've played for a video game. Uh, and it's and kind of getting back to the video game writing thing, I felt like the writing in it was was so spectacular, um, and it had great, it had a lot of cutscenes actually, and but they were great cutscenes. <laughs> so it was kind of interesting. It's like all the stuff that we've been talking about, plus it's a little downloadable add-on, but it gave me such like a a genuine like because you you play with Liara in the game. Um, and she wasn't, I mean, for oh, wow. played Mass yeah. Effect 2. That's pretty awesome, yeah. Yeah, like, and for people that have played Mass Effect 2, she wasn't really there. She's kind of there as a side character that you go talk to. Yeah, um, I, I kind of missed that I didn't get to play with her, so that's pretty cool, yeah. Yeah, and so... Oh, yeah, yeah, Liara is the one I banged in Mass Effect 1, so that's kind of disappointing. <laughs> well, yeah, and, 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 round two. and I know that some people were disappointed, like, they were like, in Mass Effect 2, it felt like they didn't really deal with that, and the Lair of the Shadow Broker, I'm pretty sure if you've romanced Liara in the first game, it would it would have dealt with it. Uh, I, there was no romance, my friend. <laughs> but, um, it it's cool because, like, because she was in Mass Effect 1, um, the game has a ton of callbacks to the first game and to Mass Effect 2, and it's a story that takes place, I don't think it has to take place, I think you can do it whenever, but if you finish the game, it it acts like you finished the game. Um, like it treats it like you have. Mm. Um, so the, the, it actually ties. So I wonder if it play how if it plays differently if you haven't beat the game. Yeah, yeah. I'm 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 curious. Oh, about interesting. That. Um, yeah. But like, and and I I don't want to like ruin much other. But like one of the things they do, there's a part where you're all shooting at e- you're shooting at everything, and Mass Effect Two ditches Omni Gel. Which, you know, like the first game, there was the Omnigel system or whatever. That you just used Omnigel for whatever. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> there's a part where you're shooting at everything. And Liara gets hit. This isn't during a cutscene. This is during gameplay. And they're yelling at each other in this incredible set piece. Like, like maybe, like, okay, I, God, I keep going back and forth. I'm trying not to ramble here. But, the, like, the Shadow Broker DLC is one of my favorite Mass Effect missions ever. 
which is pretty <laughs> wow. crazy. Yeah, wow. like it's one of my favorite Mass Effect missions out of both games, and it's got maybe the the greatest set piece. Like, like, remember when you're running up at the side of the Citadel? Yes, yes. yes. which it's, I loved last week. One of my be- one of the f- one of my favorite set pieces in any video yeah. game ever. This is just as good or better. The set wow. piece. Yeah, That's I know. I'm, I'm setting wow. the bar pretty high here, but I loved this thing. Uh, and maybe maybe it's because I haven't played Mass Effect. <laughs> I looked up how much it costs. <laughs> <laughs> so no, like, I already bought. I bought it as soon as you said, like the other night when you were saying it. And I haven't played Mass Effect two in six months. Yeah, Jeff. I know. I haven't finished. I haven't played it, it six I, hours, and it's driving me crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's, so a long, it's a long story, you know. Anyway, yeah. right. Well, see, I'm wondering if maybe it's because I've been away from Mass Effect for so long that I felt that way. But I don't know. Like, it's one of my favorite Mass Effect missions. Some of my favorite Mass Effect cutscenes. Like, it's just a good mission. But anyway, yes. you're you're shooting and in, 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 in this incredible set piece. Um, and that I won't spoil, but it's this incredible set piece you're shooting and they're yelling at each other over the course and she gets hit and says like shields down or something and she's like, you know, I've taken injury or whatever because um, Liara's actually in your party. Um, oh, neat. And, and I won't say who the other member of my party was because it's okay. a spoiler for Anthony but uh, and Jeff, I guess. But, um, but yeah, so like she's in my party and she says like shields down or whatever and then Shepard yells back at her, yeah, remember when you could just use Omnigel to fix everything? That's wow. hilarious. And, That's great. Yeah, and she was like, so yeah. much has happened in just the past two years. Yeah, and she and she was like, yeah, a lot of people didn't like that upgrade. <laughs> and I was like, what? Yeah. That's awesome. I was like, okay, that was one of the coolest little. And so the game does a lot of stuff like that. And there's a part where you're exploring Liara's apartment, and they do a lot of callbacks to Mass Effect One, and it's just, it's yeah. really cool. And then the way it ends, like I, I won't spoil anything, but the way it ends, it sets up three. It it doesn't set up like the main plot of three, obviously, but it sets up a lot of side quests for three, and then puts an, a little bow on Mass Effect two in a lot of ways. Um, I felt like the ending of Mass Effect two was great, but this almost like ties out things in an even more satisfying way, like on a in a, on a character and Shepard level, like for Shepard. Huh. And like I don't know, it's it's hard to describe. It just needs to be experienced, but it it was just really well done. Yeah. So I I've, I've, download it. I've been sitting here rambling about it for however long, but it just needs to be experienced. No, I want to. I want to try it. I mean, the whole idea of the shadow broker <clears throat> is something that I was kind of sad that we never got to do in the and actual two. game. Yeah. So yeah. So so I'm I'm glad that 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 we'll ha- we have DLC to do that. See, DLC can be good. I mean, I know we kind of bitch yeah. about DLC a little bit, but DLC can do good things. Well, yeah, and, and I you guess- recommend me. Waiting to beat the game to play this, or I'd I, say I I'd say so because I feel like it puts such a cool little bow on Mass Effect Two. Like I feel like okay. Shadow of the Broker. It's not the true ending of Mass Effect Two, but it's a cool epilogue to Mass Effect Two. Yeah, like and it and it has a lot of potential for what some side quests are going to be. Like there's a lot of mystery to it because like and I can't get into it without spoiling it a lot. There's just some stuff that happens at the end of it um, where you're looking at stuff and you get some cool information about your party. You're getting some like there's just neat things that you didn't know about your people and it almost like tells you what your people have been kind of doing in their free time which is kind of cool um but like it and so it and it sets up a lot of cool side quests for your characters and for other characters in the mass effect universe that you've gotten used to um so it's it's hard to describe but you'll see what i mean when you play it but it's yeah i definitely want to check it out what's weird is is that it, it it's coming at a weird time because randomly out of nowhere like Incredible DLC right in the middle of, you know. Well, well no, like two weeks ago or, or a week ago or whatever, randomly I really wanted to play Mass Effect 2. Like I almost yeah. 
got the disc out and started a new game. Like, no, I don't I, know why. It was so weird. It, it, I hadn't had the urge to play it in a long time. Maybe it's because I just beat Red Dead recently, and it's yeah. kind of like, man, I remember I loved Red Dead. I remember how great Mass Effect was. Maybe it had something to do with that, but for some reason I just wanted to play Mass Effect, but I didn't do it. And now this DLC comes out, and I'm like, yeah, I'm definitely getting this. Yeah. Because it's going gonna, it's gonna to scratch that itch, you know? Yeah, so it's but the main thing I guess I want to talk about was just the idea of bridging stories. I mean, I've talked about the DLC long enough. We can move on to something else, but um, just the idea of of the maybe this could be the future is using stuff like this to bridge between. Like it, it felt it was man. I'm, I'm still raving about it. Like I'm still <laughs> like I want to. I wish I could go back and just play the mission, but I can't. I don't think. <laughs> like I don't. I don't know if I'd. Be, I don't think I can without replaying the game now. Um, so I, I guess well. It, to, to kind of talk to you about what you were saying, um, bridging stories, I guess the Alan Wake DLC is kind of meant to, to do that. But did, yeah, did, anybody, did any of you play the, the signal? No, what I've heard about the signal is that it, what it does is make, like the one review I read of it on Games Radar was talking about how it makes, it made the guy realize what was wrong with Alan Wake. And he was like this, it, he said it felt like it was ripped from the game. Like, really? it's like, like he's like, because right before, not, you know, obviously trying to be spoiler free here, but right at the end of the game, there's a new gameplay mechanic introduced, like out of nowhere. The mechanic uh, where, you're, where you're doing the flashlight at the words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and a, the signal is all about, like, every... Is that. Yeah. yeah. And so a lot of people feel like, or at least this guy, and he, I think he was voicing some things other people had said to him too, like that um, it felt like they had removed that from the game and then released it as DLC. And the game has a wacky ending, too. And mm-hmm. I don't know. It's different than Mass Effect because Mass Effect felt like a full experience. Alan Wake did, too, I guess. But, and I know they want to release these episodes as a bridge to the next Alan Wake game, but I just didn't care about them. Yeah. The well, I mean, I, I, I have it because I bought it new. So, I, you know, I probably wouldn't have paid for it um, if I hadn't gotten it sort of included with the game. But I'm about halfway through the signal at this point, And... Yeah, I mean, I could see how maybe they could have changed the game so that the villain, because it, it, yeah, it's it, the 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 main game itself sort of ties a bow on one thing in a very weird way, and then I could see how maybe the signal could be part of the the main game. I don't know. Yeah, it, it, it basically it plays to to me it plays the same but a little bit more difficult. Yeah. So it it, it definitely like it's. The thing you don't want to play it before you've played the the end of the game because it's harder than the end of the game. Yeah, I'm actually kind of I actually stopped playing it earlier because it was a little, a little frustrating. But I mean, I'm trying to think of other D- DLC I played recently. Like there's the the Resident Evil Five DLC, but that tells like story a side that, story side yeah. stories. Yeah, so it's like one of them's a flashback and one of them's a side story. Yeah, and like Mitch isn't here to rag on about ODST, but I feel like. If ODST had been released as like a twenty dollar DLC thing, mm. I feel like people would have loved it. You know. Um, yeah. No, I'm with you. I think. I mean, I I never played ODST, but you know what? For, people would have been like, "Oh, they should have expanded this and made this a full game." Yeah, <laughs> Which is or true. That, or that. Or, or, or if ODST was released between two and three, you know what I mean? Because ODST mm-hmm. actually goes back before three and shows you. It actually shows you the kind of stuff that people thought they were going to get to play in two. Right. <laughs> it was oh, like yeah. defending Earth, you know. Yeah. Uh, just the idea that games in the future could start to do these kinds of things—not just not just cool little side things, but to actually bridge into a sequel and do it in a meaningful way—which I felt like 
Larry the Shadow Broker. I'm like, this is the standard for how to do this. <laughs> you know, but then I guess the, 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 the question is, watching. if that becomes crucial to the story, like if you if you That's boot true. up Mass Effect three and you haven't played Larry the yeah. Shadow Broker, are you going to be missing out on an important part of the story? That's something I wonder, I wonder about because it's. I'm pretty sure it's going to be pr- a pretty big deal to the story. Though they may treat it the way they do in Mass Effect 2. Like, there was something, like, if you come over into Mass Effect 2 without playing Mass Effect 1, they kind of just say, like, here's your default. Yeah, yeah, you know? here's what happened. Here's and in Mass the- Effect 3, they might just set up, here's what happened while you were gone. Whereas yeah. in like, the DLC, yeah. you, you chose what happened, kind of. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, you set it into motion. Didn't um, the Prince of Persia, the one I didn't like, the cell shaded one, have a DLC that sort of changed the ending that might have possibly led into a, a new game. Yeah, I kind of heard that. that they well, yeah, it. wasn't it that like the the game originally ends really Shit. like <laughs> it doesn't have a happy ending, and then yeah. the DLC sort of fixes the ending in, in yeah. a way. Yeah, yeah. This is the yeah, wrong I guess way that's to DLC. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely on the list of wrong ones. Well, so Anthony, you're playing Mass Effect two now, right? Oh, not right now. Unfortunately, I'm doing this shit. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, yeah, you just fi- you finally playing. finished one, and then you're you're you started two in the last like week. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because I finally finished one, but like I sort of was sticking around with it, and then like I remember you were talking to me, and you were like, "Holy shit, you've been playing it a lot because you're really far now." <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, I really originally I was just gonna rush through Mass Effect so I could play Mass Effect one, and then I started liking it a lot. And I started doing the side quests and everything, no. and then I, I beat it. Yeah, but, Mass um, Effect One still still a great game. Yeah, oh, yeah. it is. It's, it's still. Not, oh, I, I was yeah. loving it. And um, and Mass Effect Two, like I'm really liking the whole idea of like putting together a squad and everything. And yeah, thirty just, dozen you, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It feels really epic. Like just from that There's seven samurai. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't, Essentially, I, I don't know why Mass Effect Two didn't like grab me and not let go like the first one did. It's it. I don't think it's any like reflection on the game. I think it's more that like. I had too many games when Mass Effect Two came out, but uh, yeah, it must have been because that it grabbed me, man. I mean, I yeah, you played like ten hours the day you got it, right? Something like that, yeah. And I was just <laughs> insane, and yeah, I, I was the guy. I never did as bad as Eddie, but I was the guy that I would just sit there and mine for like an hour or two. Yeah, I would mine <laughs> for several just, hours at a time. Just before I left uh, to go to my fiance's tonight, uh, I did the mining. Uh, I mined like. <laughs> Oh man, I mind Jupiter or Uranus, which is kind of funny now that I think about it. Um, But I did that, and I was like, I remember hearing some things about this. I strangely love this. Yeah, (laughs) see, like I actually liked mining. I didn't hate it the way everyone else did. Didn't they also? Better than driving the Mako than driving the Mako around everywhere. You know what's funny though? I did. I did the Mako everywhere. I did. I drove everywhere, dude. I I drove all over every planet. No, me too. I found everything. I didn't do that because I. I was like, eh. I the really Mako was, I, I, it was so hard to control. I didn't, yeah. I, I liked that they made it so you could never flip it over. Yeah. That was nice. And literally you could drive up like horizontal, the, the face of a mountain. You know? I, I mean, like the, very, the very end Mako thing was pretty cool. Wasn't that part of the end? I don't even remember. Yeah, no. yeah. No, the one thing I was yeah, going to say was, was I'm, I'm thinking about buying, going ahead and getting the, the DLC that everybody complained about because I haven't finished the game. Yeah, I, can, I feel like they'd know? probably be fine to play in the middle of the game as just part of the experience, you know. Mm-hmm. And then I think you should. I think it should like the game should be beaten and then Shadow Broker experienced. Yeah, and so know? so maybe in a way, it, you know, it sucks that I've waited this long, but maybe in a way it's it's good because I can get 
Katsumi and the Overlord and maybe they'll play better. <laughs> yeah, I'd almost recommend like, I don't know. I, I wouldn't want to tell anyone how to do, but like the, like with the... Is Katsumi worth getting? Yeah, I don't know. I've never played it. It, it got kind of bad reviews, but I think it was also because it was just weird that you're like, it came out after most people had beaten the game, but you're yeah. playing to get a character that would help you with the final thing. Yeah. 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 You're right. So I really, I've heard Overlord's actually pretty good too. Yeah. But, um, yeah. I was just looking and I think there's something like 19 DLC things for. Jeez. That's right. Now, some of them are like the. Most weapons of and the Mako yeah. thing. There's like yeah, a Dr. The Pepper. The there's some like Dr. Pepper thing that's like five of them or something. Yeah. Oh my God. All right. So, uh, I don't know. We probably shouldn't even include this part of the podcast, but. Uh, like you know when you get to the citadel in mass effect 2 and you meet that reporter that you interviewed yes. Yes. and then you can like interrupt her with the renegade and he fucking punched her dude he lays yes. her out he I, does. I, I he literally does. was playing and i went holy shit yeah. like i, was so, like, I, I don't think that thing. much of a dick like, yeah I, in this game they made renegade more of a evil guy instead of just like a jack bauer guy well dude okay let, let me just say this that that reporter stuff Gets huh? revisited in the Shadow Broker at one point. Nice. Ooh, okay. Well, now that we've raved about Mass Effect Two and the layer of the Shadow Broker forever, um, <laughs> uh, we're going to move along and we'll kind of close out the podcast talking about uh, community topics. Wanted to talk about a couple of them. Couple of them. Um, <laughs> I feel like you said either it was my internet or it was you. You. I think you also said community weird too. <laughs> I think it was my internet though because there was an extra like community. <laughs> that was probably your internet. Okay. But, um, but no, there were a couple of things that we wanted to hit on, um, but we won't get to all of them. One of them we wanted to hit on was the the finishing games topic, but we'll, we're going to move past that. But the one that we really wanted to get to, because um, I just loved the comments on it, and and, it was, and it's cool seeing everyone's inside and to kind of what they the way they look at this. Um, but the topic that was about what are your S games, um, and as you guys know, like we have like the new grade chart on the side, and and Nick did awesome work on that, by the way. Um, Many really claps. <laughs> tiny claps but um it's anyway look we 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 talk a lot about you know our rating system and stuff and we're actually probably gonna be swapping a few reviews out um because i feel like you know hindsight changes the way i mean every there's usually a game that'll come out that changes the way you go back and look at um old games you know um like what used to be like an a might change later on in the generation i feel like um so but but the S game is one that we kind of go back and forth on a lot with us, and and we're trying to figure out if there's a new way to to rate things as S's or whatever. But um, but like that's kind of a a big deal for us, and so it was kind of cool seeing what what the community thought of um, what their S games were. Uh, and in some ways, it's what I expected, but in other ways, it was actually kind of surprising. So anyway, I just wanted to ask like the guys in the podcast here, like what are what are your S games? And before we before I do that, just one of the things I wanted to frame around is that that we always talk about, at least like in our email threads, and we try to talk about the rating system that an S game isn't just like an A game. You know, what I mean, it's not just an A game that you really like. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's because like for me, like I, we say all the time, Resident Evil Five is one of my favorite games of this generation, but I can't give it an S. I don't know why, but there's like some other thing there's another level sort of like uh, some ineffable ineffable quality that gives it like uh, head and shoulders maybe it's a little bit revolutionary maybe it's it's got like an amazing i I think a lot of times for me it's set pieces that really push something over the edge like i I, i'm just thinking about i don't know 
Are you ready to jump into? Oh yeah, go for it. Yeah, keep going, Jeff. So, so Limbo. What made Limbo an S game for me is some of the set pieces near the end of the game. And that last level, dude, is that last that last level. But like one of my favorite gaming things I've so, ever so, done. I mean, <laughs> Nick, Nick, do you want to hear one of the the set pieces that happens? Uh, I don't know. If, I don't know what you would consider spoilers for Limbo. I don't know. I don't really want any spoilers for it. <laughs> so, so okay, Limbo, Limbo is similar to Braid in that it plays with your expectations of the gameplay. Okay. So it opens up sort of new ways of playing that you weren't expecting from the start. Um, and it's, it's not like, you know, changing into a completely different game. It's like saying, okay, the rules have changed. Right. And, and this is how, like, here, here's this crazy puzzle but because the rules have changed right now, it's actually possible to solve it. And it's actually a cool sort of like feeling that, but that last, the, the very last set piece is just virtuoso. It's like the combination of sound design and mm-hmm. the gameplay mechanic and the way you have to play the puzzles all sort of synchronize. And I was just like, swearing constantly at the screen because I thought I was you know, I thought I was gonna die every two seconds. But I was also like the the music combined with the sound effects, I wanted that on a CD. Like yeah. I want I want to listen to that. And then that it, final moment where you do it. Yeah. I mean yeah. the final moment where you you beat that last puzzle. Yeah, I mean like I said, perfect. there's that release. It's like a visceral feeling. Yeah. yeah. Like it, it it wasn't necessarily like an emotional punch, but it was just kind of like a like a zen feeling of like tension just leaving my body. You know, <laughs> <laughs> like I don't know how to describe it, but it's because of those set pieces that I would call Limbo an S game, and it's actually also why I would call Uncharted Two. Oh yeah, and, the set pieces in Uncharted Two. Well, Uncharted yeah. Two has like fantastic writing and fantastic acting, but the set pieces. I think are what elevated above just a really, really good A game. I mean, I'm thinking of like the hotel, the yeah, hotel right. set piece is just. Yeah. If anybody has the train hasn't, stands out for me when you're on the train and, and it's, it's going cool. somewhere. Yeah, going yeah, somewhere. and then yeah, the train is pretty. Incredible. The helicopter shows up. I was like, holy shit! Mm, but no, the the cool. So if anybody hasn't played Uncharted two, the hotel is pretty crazy because you're in a, a hotel room with a bunch of guys and the hotel starts falling down. Yes. So the whole set is tilting and guys are running around and shooting at you and you're trying to like, and it's just ridiculous. I want to play it again right now. Just thinking, <laughs> but like, yeah. yeah, I'm just trying to think like, the, so those are, those are my S games. And actually I, I'd say portal is another one. Yeah. Braid is another one. And I think all of those are ones that really either have like crazy set pieces or play with gameplay in innovative ways and, and bring something to the table more than just a really good game. I also wanted to point out that three of those games are very short. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like downloadable type. I mean, not Portal, but it kind of is, you know? Yeah, it, it, it essentially is. Yeah. One thing that, that Nick, the one time when me and Nick were talking about when he, Nick, when you were describing um, S games, that you, that it's an experience. You mean that like, that there's, that there are good A games is, is what you said was your difference between Red Mass Dead Redemption and, and Mass Effect 2. Red Dead, yeah. Well, it's, it's really weird because I feel like, I wouldn't give Red Dead an S, but I would give Mass Effect 2 an S, even though I feel like, I don't know, it's weird to say this, I feel like Red Dead's probably a better game. Like, it is a better video game. But Mass Effect 2 was a better experience. 
So it, when I think about Red Dead, I'm like, man, it was really cool when I shot that guy. When I think about Mass Effect 2, I was like, man, that, that moment yeah. was awesome. That planet that I visited was awesome in that awesome universe with these awesome people. Like, <laughs> yeah. So it, it's like the, the characterization and the world building. The oh. world, because that's what Bioware does. I mean, that, yeah. that, that's what I love. Dragon Age, Mass Effect, the, those guys can build amazing worlds that you just want to be in forever. Like, I love the Mass Effect universe. Like, for me, it is up there in one of my favorite fictional universes with like Firefly and Star Wars. Like, I mean, it. It's. I, that. I, I agree with you. I love the fact that love you it. Know, at, at the beginning of Mass Effect, humans are not. It's not like the Federation in Star Trek, where humans somehow right. miraculously control everything. They're the underdog. It's a unique way of. To, yeah. 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 It's it's very because I like I like you know it, it made I like sense. political things and stuff like that in 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 my fiction and everything. That's why I like like a game of Thrones and stuff like that. Right. And it, it, it plays into that. And I'm like, this is a perspective I've never really thought of. I really, it, like it, it. made total, it made total sense that humans would be lowest on the food chain. Cause they were newest. Yeah. It like totally. Made and sense. also, I they, mean, they didn't like, have tenure essentially. Yeah. yeah. And every other alien species, even the Romulans in star Trek are stronger than humans. You know, it's like, why, <laughs> is it, why, how can Kirk kick their ass? You know, we, right. we, you know, like it's, it's funny. Like, you, you talk about the fiction of it because as soon as I finished, like, and I blew through the first Mass Effect in like two weeks, constantly playing it. Mm-hmm. Um, but as soon as I finished it, I wanted more like space opera, and so I started yeah. seeking out like authors that. So that's why I picked up uh, Ian M. Banks, uh, yeah. consider Flebus, um, because I was looking for that kind of like, you know, epic yeah. scale, truly alien aliens, and and yeah, it's it's really cool. Like that's that's. I would. I don't think I would necessarily have picked up a space opera sci-fi for that. that. Yeah, 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 which is great. Jeff, I mean, that's awesome, Jeff. That's a good point because this is. I don't know if it's too much off subject, but I was talking with a friend the other day because I was talking about Mass Effect and how much I love the world and everything, and I was saying that like I was. I'm totally on board with them making a Mass Effect movie because now that Star Wars doesn't exist anymore, and if you discount. Avatar and you know Lord of the Rings, they don't make movies where they create this whole world with all these incredible things in it. You know what I mean? That you've never seen before, like all these different aliens and planets and stuff like that. Um, they don't do that anymore. And now that they don't make any more Star Wars movies and Lord of the Rings, well, they're gonna make The Hobbit. But you know what I mean? Like the, the studios don't make those types of things anymore. And Mass Effect is giving is sort of filling a void that I don't have. You know that I really didn't even realize that you know I had. And um, and I'm really glad for it. And so I want a Mass Effect movie. I don't care if it follows the same story or not. Just give me something on screen where like, you just make this whole world. You just world. want to go back to the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. You're, you're going to be sad when you finish Mass Effect 2 and there's nothing left to play. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds I like am. you're like, really loving it, man. I'm sitting here like, I may replay this shit. Like, I may replay <laughs> Mass Effect 1 as a good guy and I'll do the chick. You know? so, yeah. yeah, that's actually why I would recommend picking up an author like Ian and Banks. I also picked up um, is it Peter Hamilton. Yeah, he he writes a lot of uh, space opera type huh. stuff, and and Dan Simmons. Those those were the ones that seemed like they might scratch that itch. Hmm. Yeah, it's oh. it's it's funny because I can't really think of what separates my S games. You know what I mean? Like because I like what Nick was saying that it's an experience, but I don't know. Like like with Red Dead Redemption, I'd probably I'd probably would give it an S for yeah. me just because like I want like it, I felt such an attachment to. I don't know, like, I feel like games really connect with me when they make me feel like I'm part of whatever. Like, Red Dead Redemption, like, you, it's a role-playing game, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and and something about it just really nabbed me. And, like, I, uh, 
I haven't really, I don't really play a lot. Usually when I beat a game, I'm done because I've done everything I can possibly do, you know? But with Red Dead, like, I beat it and I was like, man, I just want to ride my horse around. <laughs> See, you know what I mean? And to me, I was like, okay, that's probably an S for me because, like, I just wanted to get back in it and, you know, ride the horse. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Like, I mean, Red Dead's, I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't hate it if it was an S. Like, I, I, I'm okay with that if, if it would be ranked an S. It's just, I don't know. I, I feel a little bit differently about Mass Effect than I do yeah. about Red Dead, I guess. I don't so, know. So, Anthony, what are your S games? Like, well, and does, um, it doesn't even just have to be this gen. Just, no, no, because I was going to yeah. say, like, what I would consider and what I'm going to start doing going forward when I'm reviewing these games is an S game is going to be, like, one of my, a game that I think is one of the all-time best games, whether it's, you know, on the list of all-time, whether it's number 50 on the list, you know, if I think it's one of the all-time best video games, I'm going to give that an S. And for me, those are um, Super Metroid, the Ocarina of Time, I'll, even the Super Nintendo Legend of Zelda, I think, is one of the best games of all time. Um, obviously, Final Fantasy VI and Final Fantasy Tactics, Symphony of the Night. Uh, I love Bioshock. I got. I really think that's one of the best games I've ever played. Um, Uncharted Two. Uh, I'm just gonna go ahead and throw Mass Effect. Did Mass Effect Two in there right now? <laughs> no, no, I'm playing. But um, Mass Effect Two will probably get it. But um, like, yeah, I'm just gonna say it's you know games that I consider like, oh, that's one of the best games of all time. And um, you know, like Super Mario World, I think that's one of the best games I've ever played in my life. I would give that an S, yep. you know, easily. And um, mm. oh yeah, absolutely, man. I'm just Mario, that, like, Mario, Mario RPG is an S for me. Well, did you oh. so back in Super Mario World? Did you play through like all the? I remember all the secret levels now too. I, all 96 multiple times, man. Yeah, I, yeah, love yeah, that I got game. all 96 as well. Now, as soon as you said that, I was just like, man, yeah, that absolutely is an S game. You know what? Really, an S game is the minute someone talks about it, you want to play it. That's a good. Well, yeah, like um, the the video game, the, the video <laughs> games. Final Fantasy Seven. <laughs> yeah, no, that's <laughs> the thing. I, I was about to say Super Mario RPG. I wish I was playing it. Yeah. Oh no, no, like the the video games live concert was on TV was on yep. PBS here in Houston last weekend, and I sat oh. there and watched it. And I felt texting like texting me the entire time who yeah. couldn't watch. <laughs> and me, I mean, me and me yeah. and Eddie were text, texting back and forth. Yeah. Well, here's the deal. They were playing this music. <laughs> and and to me yeah like yeah that's a that's a great way of putting it because there's certain games like if i hear their music i'm like mm -hmm. i have i like it's like a craving like i'm like i have to play this like i have to play this right now and when they were doing the final fantasy 7 uh one winged angel or whatever i lost it i was like i have to play this but then when they played the mario music like i felt like it's the biggest dork i got teary-eyed I won't wow. lie. I got teary-eyed because they were doing the. It was when they were showing the clips of Super Mario 64 and Super Mario World and playing the music. I was like, I got a little teary-eyed. I was like, man, this is that's hardcore. Yeah, when I was like, I want to play it so bad. When they played Zelda, I almost fired up the SNES and put in Link <laughs> to the Past. Like, I really oh, man, almost I love that game. Link to the Past is bliss, man. I, I mean, think that I, I I love it better than Ocarina of Time, no question. Not even close. And then I think I texted Eddie and I said, who has a 64? I want to play Ocarina of Time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, man. It's just something about, yeah, that, that might be, a, that's a good way of putting it. Like if someone talks about it, you see a picture of it, you hear the music, like you, you need to be playing it. Like yeah. right then. Yeah, yeah. It's like, there's just those, those certain games that, you know, like even, um, you know, uh, like, like, 
Grand Theft Auto Vice City, like just if I hear like if I hear one of the songs from the '80s that I played that I listened to a lot when I played that game, it makes me want to play. Like whenever <laughs> I hear um, "Flock of Seagulls," the first thing I think of is kind of want to play Vice City now. Nice, <laughs> that's so, awesome. Yeah, like yeah, I think some of my other S games would have to be like Final Fantasy VII, Metal Gear Solid, Final Fantasy Tactics. Um, which Final Fantasy Tactics is one of the only S games I haven't. I don't know if I, I've never replayed Final Fantasy Tactics. Pretty much all my S games, I've like I've replayed them at some point. I didn't even uh, know you ever played it, actually. So that's pretty. Oh, awesome. really? Yeah, no, no, yeah. yeah Tactics I, is an S game for me. Yeah, too. I love Tactics. Yeah, no, actually, that's a good point. I've I've played through Portal twice. You know, yeah. and and like I, some of the other S games, like I think I played through Super I Mario World. T- I can't something. tell you how many times I have played through Metal Gear Solid, man. Yeah. Yeah, no, I got to where I could beat the original Metal Gear Solid in about two hours. Yeah. Skipping cutscenes. Yeah, um, I think that's actually, that's an, another good criteria is that it's a game where you would play it a second time and enjoy it just as much. Yeah. Um, it's interesting looking through the responses, too. There's a lot of Oblivions. I'm seeing a lot of Oblivion for S. Yeah, Jeff, you're, you're the big Oblivion guy. I would not give Oblivion an S. Okay. I would not. I, I mean, I'd give it a good solid A. I'd give it an A. I don't I, think I would give it an S. I don't consider it one of the greatest. It's too, a little too broken sometimes. And Fallout 3, in my mind, probably, I mean, I, like I said, I've only played a little bit of Fallout 3, but it seemed like it perfected in so many ways. So when you give the original S, there's no room to, you know what I mean? Right. There's no room to graduate yeah. up to. I, I don't Anthony, know if you, I give you, Fallout, Fallout 3 an S, S but I, it, it, it would get an S over Oblivion without a doubt. Yeah, you know, if I had to pick, if you had to say pick one of these games as an S, which one is it? I'd say it's Fallout Three. And you know what? I'd probably would give. I really think Fallout Three is. I think you did give Fallout Three an S. You did, you did give it an yeah. S. Yeah. And now that I'm thinking about it, I'm not even thinking about that. I'm like, am I, is that? Yeah, that is one of the best games I've ever played in my life. Because there's this. I don't know if you guys how much you played it. There's a quest you get like an achievement or a trophy for it. It's called uh, something about Big Town, like Little Trouble in Big Town or something like that. Yeah. Um, I've played 75 hours of that game. I've never been to Big Town. Wow. Like wow. it's this big place. It's a town. It's all kinds of stuff. Never even fucking been there. That's how much other things I've done in that game. Like wow. I don't even know where it is. Like, and I really want to visit it one day. But I just like, I, I'm it's always funny. Doing other you're like you're like being an old man in Fallout Three. Like I'd love to go to Big Town someday. <laughs> it's like that far away sure vacation some, you never took. I'm sure, wish someone would take me there. Yeah. Well, no, it's funny. I love the one guy. His name is Labeled. He just put Valve games. Yeah, <laughs> like all, like a broad, you know, a broad brush, all Valve games. I mean, but, I'm thinking you know, about it like the Team Half-Life, Fortress 2, Half-Life like 2. Half-Life 2 is pretty incredible. It's yeah. S. Oh, yeah, definitely S for me. Yeah, I feel like Team Fortress 2 is an S. Uh, I'm looking for other ones that I'm seeing people mention a lot. T- Team Fortress 2 is one that people are saying. Um, I see a bunch of Metal Gear Solids on there. Yeah, Metal Gear Solid, the first Yeah, time. I'm seeing a lot of Metal Gear Solid. I see so one first the Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask, which the fact that even one person put that there is kind of shocking. Yeah. I think Mitch loved that game. Did he put that on there? Yeah, he did. I really love that game a lot, too, but I wouldn't give it an S. I thought Mitch put... Oh, he did. Weird. It, it's I thought he put Ocarina of Time for some reason. Uh, uh, MGS3 Snake Eater is an S for me. Shadow of the Colossus, which I don't know if you guys Kotor. have seen, seen the news story that Walmart listed a Shadow of the Colossus or a Team Ico collection for the, the PS3. On their website, I did, I did see that. I hope it's oh, real. Oh, oh. I hope it's real so bad, because like, because yeah, I, I never played, played Ico. I never, yeah, I never played Ico. I, I never played either one. So. I watched I played Doug Ico. play it. I watched our friend Doug. I, Ico, I never played Shadow of the Colossus. Oh wow, yeah, Shadow of the Colossus. Like I, I say this all the time, but I feel like there are certain things that are good, just like 
like sermons on on certain things. You know what I mean? Like you know, I, I know the word sermon has a weird connotation with people, but you know what I mean? Like just a lesson on or 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 a meditation on a certain subject. I feel like Shadow of the Colossus is one of the greatest meditations on death. You know what I mean? Like I've ever. Because it, yeah. it's all about death and, and not like death, like horrible killing, but death and like dealing with dying. Right. Know, dealing loss, with loss. And, and, yeah. and, you know, I put it with like Harry Potter and Shadow of the Colossus are the two of the greatest sermons on death ever. Well, I, just, I remember, essentially. I don't know if Rain Over Me is a good movie or not. I haven't actually seen it, but I actually read about how Shadow yeah. of Colossus actually is an important plot point in the movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I heard that too. No, it, I, I've seen a movie, and, and the way they handle—I mean, it's a guy grieving uh, over over his family's death in 9/11, mm-hmm. and he does that by playing this game. I mean, even in Shadow of the Colossus, you're playing this guy that he's trying to bring this girl back to life, mm-hmm. you know, um, through felling these large colossi or whatever, and um, and bringing them down or whatever. And so it, it, the way they handled it in the movie was so neat and, and very thoughtful because I read a thing about how originally in the script he was just playing like a Halo or like a generic, right? You know, sci-fi shooter thing. And the guy, I forget who it was. I don't know if it was the director or somebody that was like, "Well, that's not." You know what I mean like, why would, you know, why would why would why would he be obsessed with that? Yeah, yeah. Why would he be obsessed with that? And he actually he used the the example of Aliens, the movie, that mm-hmm. he had uh, an uncle that was in Vietnam. And that his uncle watched, like, owned several copies of Aliens and would just watch them over and over and over on VHS until they wore out. Because Aliens was Vietnam, you know? Yeah, it was. And so... Yeah, but it was distant enough that he could be, you know... Yeah, exactly. And he he would just watch it until he wore out the tape and he'd buy another one and do it again. Um, And so... I think it was the it was it might I can't remember who it was. It was the director or somebody that had that experience. And he was like, what would someone dealing with 9-11 9-11 playing mm-hmm. as a video game and he turned to this you know to Shadow of the Colossus which is about this guy knocking down these towers essentially you know um, these walking towers and, and I don't know I just thought it was really well handled it's a big plot point in the movie that he's mm-hmm. just playing this game and there, yeah, I think he even like explains it to Don Cheadle at some point like how yeah. to play and stuff like that and yeah he explains it and he's like push the, push the triangle button to do this and do this and there's parts of the movie that are like slow motion just shots of the game mm-hmm you know, That's awesome. Which is pretty. Perfect. I mean, I had heard it was a, an interesting movie. I, I yeah. wanted to see it at one point. So. Yeah, it's not a great movie, but I loved the way they handled. Mm-hmm. You know, because they handled a video game really thoughtfully. But uh, it's also interesting. Like I think that that sort of speaks to the power of the game. Like that it that it has that oh, yeah. depth, and that's that's another reason why it, it would be an S game. You know. Let's see, Kotor is something that Kotor. several people put. Yeah, which yeah, yeah, it's for I me. Got, of I course, Kotor. Yeah, it's a really good one. But yeah, Gunstar Heroes. <laughs> I've never heard of that. <laughs> uh, oh wow! Wait, who put Gunstar Heroes? Z- Zaven did. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. No, he he loves Sega games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was about to say that's a Sega game. Yeah, yeah. you know, no, no, Gunstar Heroes is awesome. I just, yeah. oh yeah, no, it's really good. I downloaded it. When Call of Duty Four. Yes, I would agree. That's one that people put. Yeah, Call you of know, Duty. I actually might agree with that. I, I might agree with that. Yeah. 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 You know what? Actually, Zayvon also put Street Fighter Two, and I really gotta, I gotta agree. I would, I would agree with that too. Yeah. Yeah. Street well, Fighter yeah. Two is definitely yeah. S game. Uh, Mario Kart sixty four and Super Mario sixty four. Mm, yeah. There by Sean, and I would, I would give those I, S's. I don't know. I didn't like sixty four as much. I like sixty four. See, I, I like love Super Mario sixty four. Something about Super Mario sixty four just. It I just clicks. didn't like the tracks Kart? as much. 
Oh, no, I'm not talking about cart. I mean, he yeah, did. No, we're talking about cart. cart. Yeah. Oh, okay, the cart. Yeah, I still would I probably like, get For as much as I played it, I would still probably get it an ass. I actually I, never I played, played Super Nintendo 1 a whole lot. I played cart a lot on the 64. I played Super Nintendo 1 a ton. Yeah, I, so I think I played I played the 64 version more. Yeah, me so too. I remember playing the, the versus stuff. I did like that I had Wario because I like Wario. <laughs> I'm a Wario. I'm a gonna win. But yeah, um, let's see. I'm, I'm not see, I'm seeing some Monkey Island on there. Yeah, that's that's kind of interesting. Yeah, one person put FF13. That's surprising. But some people did put surprising stuff. I mean, I don't want to like you know crap. Yeah, I don't want to make fun of them. I, I I I think an S game is like wow. If you love that, that's great. But yeah. I did find some stuff interesting. Also, also like recent games i thought was interesting yeah a few recent games i think that's actually kind of one way that it does make it difficult to rate an s game because sometimes an s is very personal you know yeah exactly. like some some of the games that we're we're qualifying as s's we, we probably have like really strong personal memories of playing them well no final fantasy 7 i acknowledge is like like i think Stop final it. fantasy well yeah I, I think final fantasy 9 is a better game than final yeah. fantasy 7 but final yeah. fantasy 7 like nothing is i don't think it's sad to me <laughs> that nothing will probably ever approach what final fantasy 7 did for me because it's when i played it yeah right. you know i mean it, there was a time in your about, life it was like it was all about when i had played it and that i hadn't played another game like it before even though they existed mm-hmm. you know what i mean like it was new to you yeah it was new yeah. to you. You know, I never done. Well, even even that. me, who played all the other Final Fantasies that had come out in the U.S., Final Fantasy VII was like really huge. It was yeah. something really different and special. Yeah, I had played. Uh, I guess I had played two and three. Two being what was it like five? Or two, two was four. two was four and three was six. six. Yeah, I actually two U.S. two is the only one I've ever beaten. I, I never beat seven. Did you? Do you love that one? <sighs> It's been so long, man. Oh, did you hear that uh, OC... Sorry, kind of off topic. The, the OC Remix started releasing a five-part compilation of Final Fantasy V music. Yes. yes. And I've, uh, heard I've, I've heard it's awesome, but I haven't listened to the music. Well, that's awesome. I'm going to check that out. But yeah, it, I, I don't know. I mean, like, that's the thing about Final Fantasy VII is that like, I downloaded it on PSN and started playing it, and I was like, wow, I don't understand how I could play this 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's dated. It's really dated. It's but, really dated. Like, but I, I can look past it. Like, that's what's crazy. Like, it's so, like, a nostalgia thing yeah, for me. Yeah, nothing matters. It's just, I just yeah, want to play the Nick's game. Yeah, and me on this. And, like, yeah. it's crazy. Like, it, it it really is sad. I'm like, the fact that I don't, I really don't know if I'll ever play another game that hits me that same way. I don't, I don't, I, I might be too old and cynical now. I, I, I think, think so. <laughs> I think so. I, th- I I think that we've we've become crotchety old men, and we we can never love anything <laughs> like we loved them. I don't like, know. Unconditionally love something like Here's that. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. The Shadow Broker DLC scratched that spot. <laughs> that same. So you think, that same so you, think Ma- you, you think there's a possibility Mass Effect Three could do it? Maybe because like the Shadow Bro- like that was the thing. Like I when I finished the Shadow Broker DLC, the way it ended, I was like, man, and it. It 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 hit me with that nostalgia that you know um, that I felt with for, you know but but for Mass Effect too and I was like man but like I don't know the Shadow Broker DLC came close to scratching that spot and it reminded me of the the Mad Men you know the Don Draper um, the carousel thing the carousel thing the, the whole thing the, 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 the idea greatest of nostalgia scene in television history yes yeah yeah, yeah exactly and uh, Anthony I don't think you've ever seen Mad Men but he has Don Draper has this thing where he's talking about the the Kodak carousel and 
it's you know like a little picture wheel in the sixties or whatever, and he's and he gives this monologue about it, and he talks about the idea of nostalgia meaning pain. You know what I mean? Like it's something that brings you pain, you know? Um, yeah. To a time that yeah, was it, to, that was better, or to a time that was whatever. I don't know. I, I'm not even going to attempt to summarize it, you know? Uh, no, because you look at you look at when you get older, you look at everything with rose-colored glasses. Like even high school, which I hated, I think back to it now, and because I've already survived it, I look back at it and I'm like, man, that was easy. I could totally do that again now. See, I always try to go into anything, whether it's a video game or some, even if it's a. The, stupid twilight movie that markel drags me into i want to like whatever i'm seeing because i'm investing my time and possibly money you know into it and i want to like things and but even then it's still rare to find that thing that just makes you go oh wow like this makes me feel like a little like when i saw avatar like um just in terms of not in terms of quality of the movie because i really like the movie but just in terms of like you know the amazing spectacle that it was um, I, you know, I turned to the person I saw the movie with and I was like, now I know what people felt when they saw Star Wars for the first time back in the seventies. Like, this is something I've never really experienced before. Like, this is insane, you know? Right. And, and that's what I think Eddie is talking about with this. And I think that if a game does that, then that's an S game. Like that's like, <laughs> that's definitely an S game. No, uh, no two ways about it. Nice. Well, I think that's probably a good point to now that now that I've gotten myself all nostalgic. That's probably a good point to end the podcast on. <laughs> now that we all need to go watch the 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 season finale of, of Mad Men. <laughs> yes. Yeah, the season one of Mad Men, which if it's a great show. That scene is just. Yeah. You can find it on YouTube. I think anybody that that's like well known, and I'm sure anybody that watches that scene will Im- instantly want to watch the rest of the show. Yeah, it's such a great scene. But anyway. Now that we've gotten, or at least I've gotten myself worked up and wanting to play all these games, <laughs> probably about time to, to cut it off there. Um, if you want to follow us on Twitter, uh, you can follow the absent Mitch, who got cut off. Um, he is twitter.com slash mi7ch. I'm twitter.com slash Eddie Rivas. I'm twitter.com slash Anthony Taylor underscore. I'm twitter.com slash unsquare. And I'm twitter.com slash Nick Camardo. Uh-huh. And obviously, there's the the main twitter.com slash gamer sushi for our account. And uh, make sure and go on iTunes and rate the podcast and review rate it, with it five stars. Review it, yeah. yeah if, review you, it. if you review it, you might get to be in that little ad on the top of the site. Use your words. There you go. All right, thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Good night.